Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Hello, hello. How's everyone doing out there? This is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews and our thoughts on the past shows. Uh, We got a lot to talk about. Chris, how are you doing, sir? Doing great, man, except for I sneezed right before the show, so now I feel like my nose is exploding. (laughs) It's always a good place to to start off, but uh, week was good. I'm I'm one year older officially, so that that was fun. Um, and I didn't do shit yesterday except watch SmackDown and Rampage. So how how was your week? How did things go on the Dane side of the world? Well, speaking about exploding, um, my my week was fine, but my head is gonna explode if I hear have to hear that fucking Cardi B up song one more time. So I'm I'm hoping now that we're done with the recaps on um. The last couple of shows over SummerSlam, I don't have to hear that song again because it's up when it's up when it's up when it's up because it's up when it's up when it's up when it's up, right? I I don't – I'm sure I heard that song, but I tend to block out all of that shit that they put on. And I like... don't know how you blocked out this. This has been the freaking SummerSlam song. It's like I can make your body rock. I can make your da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Sorry, you, it's you have to you have to remember that I watch most of this shit on DVR, so a lot of that just gets skipped in the world of Chris. Gotcha. Well, that's what I need to do apparently. <laughs> and and, and everyone out there, I'm not a fucking Cardi B hater. Actually, I actually like some of her stuff. You know, there's some whores in the this house. There is some whores in this house. <laughs> Certified freak, seven days a week, wet ass, boop, make that pull out game weak. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, you could say this about any of those songs. Like, was it that WrestleMania where they played that fucking Florida song? It was the welcome to my house. I still get enraged every time I hear it. So I think or, it's just the uh, quantity of how often they play it. Well, they ruined, and I really like The Weeknd, but they ruined that last song from them. Uh, what was it? Right. I don't want to get that stuck in my head. What am I doing? I'm searching for the song that MT- MTV. Well, now going back to their new NXT logo. Actually, we'll just go directly into that. So, M- like MTV circa 89 to 93, uh, their producers apparently redesigned NXT's new look. And uh, that's, that's actually a joke, guys. But they recorded their last three shows the way it is. And now it's going to be. It's going to be edgy. It's going to be colorful. It's going to be just a whole new fucking thing. And expect a lot of your favorite guys that maybe were on Ring of Honor beforehand uh, to probably just slowly dissipate off that fucking menu. Um, but yeah, how did you like the look of the NXT logo? Because I think it's pretty damn hip, yo. I think it's really cool. It's a good, fresh look. And one thing I'll say is that kind of all of these other companies logos look very like if you look at ring of honors 
Ring of Honor is still using their classic logo, but stuff like GCW, AEW, NXT, they all had very similar looking logos. And this one kind of stands out, especially with that, like you said, the retro MTV look. Like, I see a thousands of those shirts every time I go to Walmart and like kids wearing them. And so if you're trying to be a hipper looking product, I think it's a, it's a good thing. And also that show does all has always kind of looked very dark. So I have no problem with them brightening it, brightening it up a little bit. Um, so hopefully it makes it stand out. I'm not so excited about, and we've talked about this, what their other plans are, but as far as like just making the show look different, I think it looks pretty cool, honestly. See, that's what I like is some positive energy from you to, you know, be contrast to my sarcasm. But in all actuality, Chris, I do agree with you. I think NXT could use a new look. Um, I like actually the the vibe of the look itself. It does have that throwback feel. Um, you know, it's just uh, going to be interesting to see what exactly happens to NXT. Um, I agree, even though to an extent, I think that they were, you know, being company guys in the moment. There's no way they're going to tell us that they're, or at least with Triple H, if they're unhappy. But Samoa Joe and Triple H being like, there's been an evolution for long, for a long period of time. There's been different, you know, groups you associate with different kind of eras of NXT. This is just going to that next group. But there is always a pessimist in me. And look, if this is true, I mean, all they're doing is screwing themselves over. And I'm sure Triple H won't be happy about it. But if if their goal is to weed out some of the uh, 30-year-olds uh, that are, you know, indie guys, quote-unquote, that probably aren't going to get brought up to the main product. Uh, you know, ones that have been staples, I would say, of NXT for a long time. Your Garganos, your, uh, you know, um, well, Adam Cole's a bad example now because we don't know where the hell he is, and we'll be talking about that next. Um, you know, but those those style wrestlers, Tommaso Ciampa, um, will be weeded out. They're just giving it to their competition, and I'm not just talking about AEW. I'm talking about Ring of Honor. I'm talking about possibly New Japan, Impact, just like the guys that have been, you know, we're hearing Buddy Murphy and and talks of Bray, or not Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman over to Impact. That would be huge for them in more ways than one when, when it comes to Braun, of having some star power, especially with him. And they're interested in Bray. I mean, we're, we're going to continue seeing this, Chris. They're just going to make the, the collective that AEW is kind of, you know, kind of communicating with and just make everything non-WWE stronger if that is their goal, but I do like the look. I was being a bit sarcastic. Yeah, and I think um, that's probably people's more problem. The, the people I have seen very upset about this look is because it's going to be tied so closely with those comments that were made uh, by Vince and Bruce Pritchard and what the future talent-wise is for NXT. But as far as a look and a new theme song goes, I think it's fine. Like, I like it, personally. Um, but it is kind of... I mean, NXT's had that same logo, the black and yellow logo, for what seems like ages. So, I mean, it just points that they are, they are going about these changes, one way or the other. So, you can... What was it that Triple H said? You can either watch it or not watch it, or whatever. I mean, you can you, you, you can either watch it or you don't have to watch it. There's other stuff on TV right there. <laughs> yeah. 
I did think it was cool that they got Wale to do the uh, new theme song, which we haven't heard the full version of, but we did get to hear the clip with that release of the new logo. That's cool. And like I said, I'm not excited about what they're trying to do talent-wise, and I do think it's going to be a longer transition than what people are thinking, just because if, if that's truly where you're going, you have to go out and sign a bunch of new people get them trained up while still doing a TV show. Cause that, that contract for USA is not going to go away unless USA cancels it. So you still got to put on a weekly show. I'm thinking that this full change will probably take at least a couple of years. Oh yeah. And you know, what's a good uh, way of doing that. I'm going to bitch about it right now is uh, when you have a big son of a bitch that with a shitload of charisma in your tournament for NXT and he loses uh, the last match with Odyssey Jones. I thought that was brilliant stuff, guys. So, uh, yeah. But um, what what are you going to do? <laughs> That's a good call. We'll get into that a little later <laughs> so that I can fully vent about it as well. So stupid. And it's nothing against the other wrestler, but it just I I I didn't get that booking. But, um, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not the game. I, I, I don't play Monopoly at all. So, um. Yeah, let's talk about Adam Cole, man. And last night, you know, we recorded this on Saturdays, so you guys usually can hear it uh, Sunday or or Monday, basically. But uh, since last night on Friday, uh, it was reported, Chris, that Adam Cole, uh, the WWE logo itself, is not a part of his. Let me let me get up the report so I don't sound so fucking stupid. The one that I sent you. Um. Adam Cole removes WWE link from Twitter and cancels Twitch stream. I mean, is that is it? it, it are we now pretty much confirmed on the fact that Adam Cole, Bebe, is probably not going to be with the WWE any, any, you know, much longer? I mean, we have to assume that if we don't see him on Monday Night Raw, that that's the guarantee, right? Because that would yeah. be. If they were talking about do if part of that contract negotiation was what they were going to do with him on the main roster, what kind of stories they were going to tell and presenting him with some different storylines, which is was the rumor is that they were writing stuff for him, um, which doesn't mean that he signed. It just means that they presented him with some storylines that he probably requested before signing, which is smart. More people should probably do that, um, like Cesaro, for instance. <laughs> but yeah. uh but uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll know Monday. If he doesn't show up on Monday, then I mean, you can pretty much can assume that he is gone, which seems to be the way all of the writers out there are leaning and the way me and you were leaning as well. I think a lot of that ties into, you know, things that he finds enjoyable, like like his Twitch stream, being able to get all of that revenue um, by moving to AEW, which they kind of encourage their their wrestlers to be on Twitch and have that social media presence, much like being the elite or or whatever, and they let those wrestlers keep the revenue, whereas, as we know with WWE, they've kind of tried to be very controlling over that, especially on the main it's roster. It's mine! <laughs> so, with with that, and knowing that he really enjoys that, and knowing that his wife is an AEW, um, also hearing the changes pretty much right after he had that contract negotiation with Vince on that Friday Night SmackDown, I guess that was last week, um, Knowing all of that, knowing that he took that loss in NXT, if he doesn't show up on Monday, yeah, I mean, he's. I'm assuming more than likely he will be in AEW. And, and we've kind of talked about that in the past. It's just, 
is AEW going to wait until after the pay-per-view to bring him in, which I think maybe makes sense. Um, but you kind of, yeah, you kind of alluded that you want it sooner rather than later while it's still a news topic, which I think I could see it either way. I, I, uh, I have an idea of what they should do, but premiering him, I think they should wait after the pay-per-view. I think you're right on that. Um, just because it's another month. Uh, but you know, I'm just saying, and I think that a lot of the younger talent they premiered on their show have been awesome, and they've already built a great batch, you know, with your Jungle Boys, your your Sammy Guevara's, your MJF's, your you know, we we've talked about that, that they're they're definitely getting built in the stars, and now we're seeing kind of the next you know level, but I'm just saying if you have room to do a built-in feud over multiple fucking shows, this is on Rampage and on Dynamite, to get QT Marshall and a motherfucking program with the big show, I think you can find some place for Adam Cole. Are we already at the weekly list shit on QT segment of the show? <laughs> we, we, will, we will start by saying QT Marshall is a great worker, and he is obviously great with the writing process when it comes to AEW, because he's the number one man for Tony Khan, but when it comes to being a character on screen, fuck him. There you go. There's my there's my disclaimer. I'm just gonna start recording. Like I'm gonna have you redo that, record it, or rip it out of this show. And every <laughs> time, every time we talk about it, put like one of those news broadcast sounds. Disclaimer. No, yeah, I agree with you. There's, I mean, the thing is, they have a bunch of young talent. They obviously can't get everyone, even though they have three hours of TV. They do such long-term booking, it takes a while to flesh it out. My only worry, and, and we, we've we talked about this offline and a little bit on the show previously, is, I mean, I might even save him until much later down the road, especially if you're planning on bringing Brian in. Because I feel like, you know, like with Malachi Black, he's, the CM Punk kind of took the wind out of that sail a little bit. And when Brian yeah. shows up, it could even further that, especially if you don't have something for Adam Cole to do immediately, like a high-profile feud um and i don't know maybe if you save it down the road a little bit you could just do adam cole versus versus punk which would be very good um and help get adam cole like into the mainstream light if you wanted to go that route because i'm assuming punk is going to be darby and we'll need something to do afterwards but yeah I, i could see it like i said either way i think it you know if you keep hitting people with these big surprise signings they start to it starts to be diminishing returns um, and then you also have to have something for them to do. That's the, and that's the, some key. people, some people need to end up honestly, and this is a good thing because people are working together, you know, they need to end up in ring of honor or new Japan or NWA or impact. But if you keep on with this crossover appeal and hopefully ring of honor is on the edge of actually, you know, doing that, uh, opening the forbidden door, which is weird. It's a weird terminology. It kind of sounds like sexual. I don't know why the forbidden door. Anyways, um, but uh, yeah, I, then there's places for people, and there's a crossover concept, and I will be watching their product. So wherever they end up, it seems like no matter what, as long as these guys are kind of working together, we're gonna you know make make out and and make for the best when it when it comes to being fans. But certain people, like I know. There's a rumor that Impact really wants Bray Wyatt, and part of me is like, well, he could be super creative over, creative over there, and then the other half's like, I just think that Bray's too big of a star to go to Impact, you know. Um, 
I don't know if that would be a good fit. I think that that's one guy you grab for AEW. If a Kyle O'Reilly or a Roderick Strong were to leave, um, I kind of want them at Ring of Honor. I don't know if I'd want them. But if Adam Cole, I just think that he's kind of worth it uh, compared to, if that makes sense. Um, but who knows? I mean, that's just my opinion on on those cats, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe the the want for Bray would be doing something with Decay when you bring him in, right? And then maybe he works both Impact in AEW, similar to what Christian's doing. So if they were going to do something like that, that could be very intriguing. Um, but yeah, That's I agree true. with you. I think there's, you know, there's a certain level of star and where those people should fall, like, like Roddy Strong, like you said, and Kyle O'Reilly. Going back to Ring of Honor, they're going to be some of the top stars there because they have been in the past. So they kind of return as legends where I don't know if you throw them on AEW, it's almost like they're going to get stuck in that Scorpio sky spot where it's like, Hey, we have something yep. for you to do. And then they're on elevation and dark for the next like two months. I'll even say that. I think it would be smart if they're going for AEW. you know, if this is with all the, NXT rumors, Ciampa and Gargano might want to rebuild DIY if they were to go somewhere else, honestly, like like an AEW. If it's Ring of Honor, I don't think it matters as much, but I think it would be beneficial to kind of re-break themselves in as a tag team and then split off from there after they've established themselves, if they were to go to an AEW. Yeah, and we do have that little-known show, New Japan, <laughs> that New Japan yeah. American television show, where or you, like or you Chompa, can get Champa to join Suzuki Goon, and then uh, I'm down for that too. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was getting at. Is I, I mean, just the way Champa works, it, it would be so great to see him mix it up with some of the New Japan guys. But yeah, all exciting stuff. I don't think that they're going anywhere anyways, anywhere soon, anyways. Uh, just. Just because of the nature of the beast, they still got to put on a weekly TV show in NXT as they start trying to build new talent. But uh, down the road, I mean, we've seen so much shit change in the past six months. There's no telling. Like, the working relationship could open wide open with New Japan and AEW by then. So, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Fun to talk about, though, for sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think that's all the news. Uh, there was a little bit of news about, um, I guess, I guess CM Punk made, uh, Booker T and, uh, our truth mad in the past. So, uh, that was the other big stuff. Um, uh, do you, you have any news before we go into NWA? Like, what do you want to talk about, Chris? I mean, the only news item that I, that will, it's not really an, a big topic to talk about, but Matt Cardona at the last GCW show, dressed as as Vince McMahon was pretty fucking good uh, and the promo he cut was pretty good so you guys can go check that out on his YouTube that major wrestling figures podcast YouTube channel it's it's really funny we're checking out and also to bring that up uh, love what Cardona's doing there are guys like Cardona and EC3 that have kind of paved themselves into being able to work with some of these bigger companies and travel back and forth with them and still have a, you know, being able to be a active on a ring of honor right after being on impact. So I wonder how many people are going to end up doing that as well. I, I don't know. You could see a good amount of that. I mean, especially if you start talking about someone like Champa who might, who's basically said that 
he really only wants to say stay in NXT. But that would change, you know. I think that he would want to pick and choose where he works, when he works, etc. So I, I think there's going to be a good mixture of that. I think where Champa might be different is when they try to force him into retiring to become a coach, uh, you know, as opposed to allowing him to do that himself. And I definitely could see that happening. Yeah, yeah, that that's a good call. But um, yep. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about NWA, man. This is definitely their weekend, their weekend to shine, their weekend to grow. I think Chris, personally to me, besides having good shows, they got to really, I mean, debut people, I would say, uh, and, and just provide two fun shows with some surprises in it. You know, we already have Ric Flair being a part of it, um, but I, I feel like the spotlight is on them, and it hasn't been in a while, so I'm excited to see what they do with that said spotlight with Billy Corgan and the NWA with Empowered and the 73rd anniversary being back-to-back this weekend. Yeah, it's, I mean, their biggest thing is they're still rebuilding their roster. And I think it, you know, since the pandemic, because they basically let a bunch of people walk from contracts. But yeah, I agree. They need some big debuts and we need to see some really good matches. And hopefully whatever they do with Flair is very entertaining. You get some traction, gets some traction on the Internet to get people to reinvest in that show. Um, which might be a little bit of an ask because they went from a free model to a paid fight TV subscription model. So I I guess we'll see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think they need to make some big splashes this weekend, at least, at least in the world of the internet, because I think that's going to be the majority of the kind of fans that they have. Um, Nick Aldis who has been the NWA champion for a long time, is going against Trevor Murdoch. First match, got completely screwed over. Second match, uh, you know, Nick beat him clean. Uh, to get to this one, much like the Jericho uh, MJF situation, uh, he's putting his career on the line. Does that, like, I, I'm trying to think, I mean, Trevor is 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 getting up there in age. I'm I'm assuming he's early 40s and, and whatnot. So part of me, maybe this is his retirement match, and that's what they're going for. But they've definitely, I, I don't know. I mean, is Trevor Murdoch going to be able to take out Nick Aldis after Aldis has had that title with one small time period where Cody had it for what, like three years now? Yeah, he's been on kind of the Kazuchika Okada run as far as how long he's held the damn title. Or um, Walter, yeah. it's it, It's been up there for sure. I mean, Trevor Murdoch might be a great transitional champion if they just want to freshen up that show and, and get the belt off Aldis for a little bit. But this is pretty much the same storyline they did with Tim Storm. So I could easily see him just retiring if he's done with wrestling. And the funny thing is Storm didn't, state of that retirement because he's wrestling on this friggin' card. But um yeah, that was that that's so crazy. That was a a, a you know a, a built in storyline with the two of them back at the beginning of the NWA uh going to this YouTube format. 
yeah, that was the the ten pounds of gold storyline. And I thought I thought it was straight retirement, but when they brought that NWA Power Show back, he wrestled some tag team matches and stuff. He's so wrestling another tag team match, yeah. Yeah, it could just be that he took a step saying that he would never wrestle for the title again. I mean, it's been, what, two years since that storyline happened? But it is very yeah. similar, shades of this, with the age of the wrestler, the style of wrestler being very, very old school. Uh, the caveat would be if Ric Flair helps Murdoch, you know? And that's, you get Aldis finally getting screwed over, whereas he's screwed over a lot of people retaining this title so far that could that could also be the route they go i don't know that that's what that fan base would want to see but um yeah this one's a toss-up to me just because they're definitely sorry no i was just gonna say just because they don't have the next up so if you transfer it to murdoch he's just transitional until they can build whoever they want to be in that tight whoever they really want to hold that title for the next year or so because they don't seem like a company that's going to be flip-flopping this thing very often no not at all. Um, and I agree. Um, so, and, and I like Trevor. I think he's great on the mic. I think that they've really established him as kind of like your every man, not like a, not like a dusty, obviously he's not flamboyant, but that type of concept, you know, you didn't think that he'd be able to get this far sort of thing. And we've watched Trevor since he was on WWE back in the two thousands, uh, with his tag team. Um, but, he would definitely have to be a transitional champion to me. If he if he beats him, I think that's cool. He gets his hand raised. This has been really built off of the fact that they were a part of the same class as CM Punk and Tommaso Ciampa with Holly Race, with getting trained uh, by them, both Nick and Trevor. And Trevor's really making this out to be like he's doing this for Harley. That's where his motivation has been, is that Harley saw something in him that a lot of other wrestlers didn't. Um so I guess I, you would have a wonderful moment. I like your idea of, of, of Flair screwing over Aldis because that takes me into a different direction than the way I was thinking because my concept is even if he already comes out and talks and it cuts his promo, we see Ric Flair, it would be nice and very interesting if Flair were to introduce uh, a new wrestler to take that you know, 10 pounds of gold from either Nick or Trevor. Do you think that maybe Ric Flair might be showing up with someone? Yeah, I mean, I guess who would he show up with? Someone like EC3? No, I was thinking I was thinking there's a couple of different ways. If Nick Aldis wins, or in your situation, if Nick Aldis loses because Flair gets involved, they could be setting up maybe Flair presenting Cody. But then again, the whole Malachi Black, I don't know if that would work out. Um what if Ric Flair shows up, calls out Trevor Murdoch with his new heel that's going to take that championship from him in Adam Cole? That would be very interesting, um, especially if it's just Adam Cole doing a, a like a one one or two month appearance on NWA before he transitions to AEW. That solves another one of my problems or one of my things, which was I don't think you should debut him too early on the heels of debuting all these other guys. Uh, so that's a big possibility. I could see them doing something like that. And if he does well in NWA and they want to do business with AEW, um, you could even have him show up with the, the NWA title and have Flair be his manager, similar to Callis and uh, Omega, if, if you wanted to go that route, which I think would probably be good for NWA power just to get views back over there. But 
yeah, I, I could see them doing something like that as well. The, this show's so up in the air to me because it's not like we were talking before the show. You were saying that the past two shows have just been video packages, basically building the uh, yep, <laughs> building the pay per view. So whatever happens here has to be a big moment. It's it's almost like what they're doing now harkens back to the original TNA model of just pay per views. <laughs> for your shows so everything that happens on the shows need to be needs to be a big deal um murdoch i as far as him winning i think you know there is a there is that fan base out there that would could should that probably does look at murdoch as the old school nwa guy because he harkens back to that so much as far as his character the way he promos the way he works in the ring so i i have no problem with it it's just there's a lot of stuff that could happen to either lead to him winning or losing. I mean, I know this just sounds kind of flip floppy, but it's, they haven't really given us too much, too much to really, really think about. So it, it is up in the air, which makes it fun to watch. It's going to, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the flare stuff is, is probably the most intriguing thing about the entire pay-per-view that and I'm excited to see James storm. Yeah. Going against Adonis uh, for his old title. Uh, that should be a pretty damn good match, too. Um, I'm also wondering if uh, I'm going to make a claim, because I know that they were at least flirting with the idea or approached her. Uh, Tessa Blanchard might show up on Empowered tonight. I think there's a good chance that that could happen. Yeah, maybe that's what they're doing with Ric Flair. If she shows up uh, on Empowered, and then the following night they do something there with her and Flair, that would be... That would be pretty funny, <laughs> Flair and, and Tully's daughter. There's so many memes that can come from that. They just gotta grab like a Charlotte face and a Tully face. Like what the fuck? And just put it on there. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Would be really damn funny. Uh, I don't know that they're gonna go that route, but yeah, if Tully, I mean not Tully. Hey, if if Tessa shows up, that would be a really big deal for them. I do think they have a really good women's division, and they're uh, building one. Yeah. And should be some really fun matches coming out of that. I, I would almost say that their women's division is stronger than their, as far as putting together interesting storylines and matches and with what they've been able to accomplish with the women's division there, it's almost to me better than their men's division at the moment, but that could just be just me. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. I completely agree. And, you know, like I said, uh, I think that they do need to take some, there should be, it's kind of hard to ask for it to the level of like Tessa and especially Adam, but there has to be some surprises and more so on the men's side. There has to be some people maybe coming back. I don't care if you get back. I love Ziggy Dice. You know, it sucks that that, that contract didn't work out. You know, we kind of just need a couple stars or a couple personalities at least. Maybe some that kind of throw us like for a loop. You know, uh, this is a chance for an EC3 maybe to show up on it. Um, that this is a chance for someone from impact to go because you are overloading all the shows, but if all of them are complimenting each other, send someone to NWA for a little while, you know, vice versa, build some storylines. I think that that will be good, but yeah, they have to have a couple tricks up their sleeve. Chris, I would say tonight and tomorrow night. Yeah. And unfortunately for them, I even, I mean, I guess they don't really care if people watch it live necessarily, they could still get people to buy it after the fact, but 
you would want to I would it, I would want to promote that stuff ahead of time so that there's more interest going into this weekend. Um, one person I want to see in NWA at some point is Brian Myers, the world's most professional wrestler. I think that gimmick would work really well in that company. I mean, I've loved what they've been doing with him on Impact, but he would be someone that would be really fun to see with the NWA title. Absolutely. And I've I've said a million times, I know he can still be doing his Punisher thing, you know, the elite hunter, but I'd love to see Frankie Kazarian, you know, show up on that show. I want people with strong promos and great wrestling skills on NWA. Yep. Agree. Agree hundred percent. And with, with people like EC3 and Matt Cardona who aren't locked into contracts, those are guys that I could see if they're going to have big surprises, those would be good guys to pull in. Um, you know, obviously Cardona would be way different than his character in GCW for that situation. Uh, EC3 to me makes a lot of sense if you want to put someone with Flair. Flair is going to be a reoccurring theme just because uh, EC3 is really great at acting like an entitled rich douchebag heel and putting <laughs> Flair with them, talking about how they took a limousine to the arena, etc., would be good shit. But th- there's a lot of stuff they could do. There's a lot of wrestlers out there that they could bring in. Um, I really wish we would get more Ring of Honor and NWA crossover. Again, I think that well, would maybe, be uh, great. Maybe, maybe we can have a little Black Machismo show up. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe, maybe we can get Demonic Flamita from Ring of Honor over there. I would. They don't have a Lucha guy, really. <laughs> let's, bring, let's bring him in. Um, as long as it's not Fuego de Sol. Um, I think he might be uh, dead still because of Miro last night. So I don't know if that would work out well. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. And th- the thing about, you know, Jay Lethal, if he were to do that, they don't have to acknowledge it on either show. He can just be fucking Black Machismo in the NWA doing the Macho Man shtick and be doing his own storyline like he's doing with, uh, I forgot the name of their group, but with Jonathan Gresham and all of them, which looks like they're kind of having some inner turmoil. Weird. Didn't see that coming at all, but you know. I do want some more Ring of Honor NWA crossover stuff. Yeah, and I want—I would love for them to be able to do that tag tournament again. I know they said they—they they, there are no plans for it, but uh, that would be—that was a lot of fun last time they did it, and I would love to to see that again at some point. All right, let's move on from NWA. Uh, well, actually, do you have any closing statements? Any match in particular? that I didn't mention anything else with uh, NWA empowered tonight and also NWA 73rd anniversary tomorrow night. I think empowered is going to be, there's some great wrestling matches on both shows. I don't have the cards pulled up in front of me, but I think empowered is going to be a really, really fun show to watch. So did you want me to go over them? If we just want to run down it real quickly. Sure. I don't know. I got them right here. Break down each match, but. All right, so I'll just go over all the matches for Empowered. We'll talk about them, and then I'll go over all the matches for the next one. So we got Camille and Layla Hirsch, uh, whichever one of these ladies, and I didn't know this last week, so now I've, you know, because of the video package thing that I watch for NWA, I know that whoever wins this and makes sense with Camille will face whoever wins the NWA Women's Invitational Cup Gauntlet Um that's happening also on the second night on the thir- the seventy third anniversary. So we got Camille and Layla Hirsch. We have the Hex, Allison Kay and Marty Bell. 
versus uh, Hell on um, Heels, Renee Michelle and Sahara Seven. Don't know who that is. Red Velvet and um, and Kylin King versus the Free Babes, uh, Jay Z, Yang, Hollywood, uh, Hallie J, and Miranda Gordy. Oh, oh, that's a uh, that's oh okay. I, I I'm seeing what they're doing here. Okay, gotcha. The Freebirds. I forgot that Terry Gordy's uh, daughter is a wrestler. Um, but whoever wins that will go against the uh, Velvet King. Basically, from those two matches, that it's a tournament. And they will become the NWA World Women's Tag Team Champions. So that should be interesting. Uh, Deanna Peraza is going against Molina. I'm really looking forward to this match for the Impact Knockouts Championship. And then the Invitational Cup, which I'm kind of confused on how they're doing because all they have is all of them versus versus versus. So I don't know if this is a battle royal exactly, but we have Bianca Carali. Chelsea Green, Debbie Malenko, Lady Frost, Jamie Sinegal, uh, Genocide, Kira Hogan, Masha Slamvich, uh, Thunder Kitty, and Tootie Lynn. Uh, Genocide and Chelsea Green are the two that stick out to me the most. Um, a triple threat. We have uh, representing AAA, Chick Tormenta going against Diamante from AEW, going against Kylie Ray from NWA. Kenzie Page versus... Uh, Paula Mayfield with Taryn Terrell and Genocide in her corner. That does not seem good for Miss Page. And Sky Blue versus Christy James. I'm going to admit, Chris, there's a lot of girls I have no clue who the fuck they are on this. Um, but quite a few that I'm, I'm, I'm fond of. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's adds to, to me adds to the intrigue of the show when they put this together because a lot of the, this would be fresh faces. We could see some really good wrestling here, hopefully, and um, for that, for the invitational, I mean, the people I had penciled in, probably Chelsea Green or Kira Hogan for yep. that. Uh, I think, you know, if you get the surprise of Tessa Blanchard, that could be really interesting. There's, um, is it, it Taryn? That <laughs> I'm assuming that she's going to be pretty damn dominant in that match. Uh, a lot, lot of, lot of people on this show, but I think that's what they were going for in this if you're trying to highlight women's wrestling, this is a really good way to do it by having having so many, I, I don't want to call them unknowns, but people that aren't in the eyes of the mainstream audience to, to some extent. So it should be a really, really fun show. I'm looking forward to the uh, Deanna Perazu match for the Impact uh, Knockouts Championship. That one should be really, really good. Um, there was a couple, other that, a couple others that stood out, but overall this is going to be a real fun time is mickey james she's kind of hosting this thing right so i'm assuming we'll see her as well yep and she is going to have a match on the 73rd anniversary show with kylie ray yeah which that that match should be really really good i'm actually looking forward to that it's been a long time since we've seen a match where mickey james is going to be given the amount of time i think that should be allotted for a legend like mickey james I'm not the biggest fan of Kylie Ray, but she is a good wrestler, so that should be a really damn good match the following night. Um, just yeah, good shit overall. It's going to be a fun pay per view. That and they're not doing. What are they charging for this thing? I think it's like ten bucks, right? Yeah, it's actually something extremely cheap. Let's go over seventy third. Uh, obviously, we talked about the Ric Flair interview. I don't know. Whatever he's going to do is going to be awesome. 
Other than that, we have a battle royal, uh, 12 participants to determine the number one contender for the NWA National Championship, and no one has been announced, apparently, from what Wikipedia says, at least. But uh, Tyrus, uh, the masked man, and Jordan Clearwater, with Austin Idol in their corner, um, are going against the Pope and the end, Odinson and Perro. That should be a good three-on-three match. Uh, Tom Latimer versus Crimson versus Tim Storm. And a brawl in the loo? I don't know what the fuck that means. Okay. Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos, the tag team champions, are going against La Rebellion, Be- uh, Bestia666, son of Damien666, and Mecha Wolf 450 These guys are fucking awesome. They're in AAA. Um, I think they're getting the championships. Chris Adonis going against James Storm. We talked about it for the NWA National Championship. Nick Aldis and Trevor Murdoch. Uh, Trevor's career's on the line. Camille or Layla Hirsch, probably Camille, going against the uh, Invitational Cup Gauntlet and Mickey James and Kylie Ray. Yeah, and they have a battle royal on this thing as well, right? 12-man battle royal to determine the number one contender. So that that's should be really, really fun. I mean, the matches that stand out is, to me, the, the Chris Adonis versus James Storm match, the Aldis and Murdoch match, and the Mickey James and Kylie Ray match. Those are the ones that I'm looking the most forward to. The battle in the loo, I think they're referencing St. Louis. So I'm assuming that's a street uh, fight. I was thinking the loo as in, like, what you get from in Hawaii. <laughs> or, like, a, a toilet. <laughs> like in England. Oh, if you're in Britain, a toilet, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be... Shades of Benoit versus uh <laughs> Oh my god. god. Why can't I think of his name now? Uh Kevin <laughs> God. Kevin the, Sullivan. Uh, Ke- Kevin Sullivan. Benoit's like dunking heads in toilets and shit. Remember that? That was a good time. But no, I think they're they're calling St. Louis the Lou, which I've never heard it referred to as, but I'm not hip with the uh St. Louis crowds. So I'm assuming that's just gonna be a three way street fight, which could be fun. Seeing Tim Storm hit people with shit, that would be – seems like a good time. Hey, I'm excited about it. Um, should be a fun time. I'm glad that St. Louis, you know, with Sam Muchnick and, and, and all the history that's that with professional wrestling in that city is having this. And it uh, should be a lot of fun. I mean, we get Ric Flair back in the NWA. I think that's the biggest deal, Chris. That's my closing statements. Anything else to uh, leave this conversation? Yeah, this one is 25 bucks. I think Impact should look at these models and maybe lower some of their prices for their pay-per-views. Um, and then you can you can buy the entire bundle for both of these for 40 bucks, which I think is a, a pretty solid deal for the amount of wrestling that they're giving you. Have to agree. So here's a question: Do we go over Takeover or do we go over SummerSlam first? Well. Uh... I mean, Takeover had the best best match, right? So, do you want to do Takeover first? <laughs> uh, yeah, let's do that. Oh God! So, Takeover last Sunday still filled weird. I'm gonna be honest with you, Chris. Um, with all the news, with everything that's happening, it's and with Adam Cole seemingly at least being gone from NXT, you know, no matter what, it just it, it's still. Even though I loved especially one of the matches uh, in particular that we'll talk about, it still felt kind of strange watching NXT TakeOver. Like, some of the luster was taken away. And also, it didn't help that this is one of the first TakeOvers, not a part of the COVID era, that wasn't at 
a smaller arena outside of where the main pay-per-view was. It was back at the, I forgot, the CCC, the, the COVID center, or whatever the fuck it's called. Oh, I'm so bad at arena names, but yeah, it was it was weird to see it in kind of a smaller location. All right, well, let's go over to the matches. First, we have Ridge Holland with Pete Dunne in his corner on the pre-show, uh, just destroying this guy, this poor bastard named Trey Baxter in a minute 45. I mean, he just played with his food and just dominated. I mean, is there anything else to say about that match, Chris? Other than it didn't really need to be on the show, um, I I guess this was a pre-show match, but it was just a fucking squash. So maybe maybe we didn't even need a pre-show for this would be would be what I would say about this one. Um, I like Rich Holland, but he's back. It's weird they're putting him with Pete Dunne, but like you know we'll have to see how that plays out. I'm starting to get. I just have to say this. I'm starting to get sick of the Shawn Michaels Diesel model. It's been overused in all the organizations, and it's getting kind of boring and tiresome. Yeah, and I don't know that Rich Holland necessarily needs Pete Dunne. He's he's pretty much been undefeated, right? So he's just straight squashing guys. Then Rich Holland's, the, I, I'm assuming, who they're replacing Karrion Cross with. Like, that's going to be their next dominant guy. That seems to be how WWE is running their shows. Pick a big, dominant dude build him up and then let him carry the title for a while. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see that happening. Yep. All right. Cameron Grimes with Ted DiBiase went against LA Knight. Um, I thought this was a good match. Very surprised with the outcome because of my theory that did not happen, but that tends to happen a lot because, you know, lack of brain cells, I guess. I don't know. Um, but good match. Nothing too memorable. I'm just glad that they position it the way they did on NXT with basically Ted DiBiase getting one over Cameron Grimes, taking back the belt, giving him a toy one to just because the whole baby face Ted DiBiase wasn't doing it for me. And the material that they were trying to get him to go out there, I don't think Ted is used. And I don't think it has to do with, his, his, you know, being older in age. Ted's not used to cutting fucking promos written for him by a television team. So I think that was a little bit awkward. Um, so I'm kind of glad this feud's done. I don't know what the hell that says for LA Knight. I mean, he came out and was one of the guys telling Samoa Joe he should have a chance at the title, which to me, Cameron Grimes should be one of those guys. I don't know. We'll just have to see where this goes. What do you think about the match? I liked the match. I thought it was really fun. My the best the best stuff here was DiBiase kind of causing distractions multiple times. He's still fucking great. Uh, so that's what I have in my notes. I was like, I fucking love Ted DiBiase so much. He was great here. Uh, I liked the finish with Knight going to the floor and trying to hit him with a million dollar championship belt in Grimes, foiling his plans with the help of the million dollar man, De- DiBiase, who threw some punches here as well. Uh, Grimes hit that cave in, wins the championship. I was fine with this. Me and you both had weird predictions on this because, like you said, DiBiase, he's so much better as a heel. And they've definitely positioned him as a baby face. I mean, you couldn't be any wronger than me. What did I, I said? Wouldn't it be awesome if they brought in <laughs> Michael PSAs? It did not go that route. No, um, no, no. <laughs> they did not go that route. And uh, also, you were way writer when we get to SummerSlam on your predictions. They went 
more of the route that you were going in yours. So don't don't feel bad at all. Maybe I'm the one with the lack of brain cells here, bud. Let's just let's just agree that we both lack brain cells sometimes. Well, we can't, you know, I, th- I feel like every couple months we get like some very big, bold predictions, right? <laughs> you got to <laughs> throw them out there, man. You got to put it out in the universe. And uh, it's always fun when we repost these like three years later, <laughs> how wrong we were versus what actually happened. So you get that to look forward to fans, longtime listeners out there when you go back three years later. Yep. All right. Well, next match, Raquel Gonzalez going against Dakota Kai. 12 minutes, 24 seconds, NXT Women's Championship on the line. Um, I thought this was a good match. Uh, uh, This looks like a goodbye for Miss Dakota Kai. Look, I rhymed, and I didn't even mean to. Um, But I'm pretty sure this is her send-off, Chris. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do, or or lack thereof, of what they're probably going to do with her on the main roster. But... You know, Raquel defeated her, and I like Dakota because she's someone that, even though she's the size of how she is, she fights. I'm not going to compare her to Darby Allen because I think Darby does it, is one of the best at it, but she's good at being a heel, at least, and making it look like she's able to take a lot of punishment and dish out a lot of punishment, even though she's smaller sized, I would say. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think there is a need for someone like Dakota Kai on the main roster. So I have no problem with her moving up. I might repackage her a little bit and give her some strong wins if, if it was me booking the show. But it's, you know, it's WWE, so probably not once she gets to the main roster. But there's definitely slots available for her because there's not anyone like Dakota Kai. And they need heels for Bianca and Becky and Charlotte, etc. Um it could be really funny, even if you get like Oscar versus Dakota Kai. It's just how, however they package her needs to be, they need to rework it, and she needs some strong wins to make her believable for the kind of character that she is in NXT at least. And maybe they'll do something with her pretty immediately instead of what the, whatever the fuck they're not doing with Tony Storm right now. Yeah, that that's the other that's the other thing. I mean, who knows? They could just throw her in a fucking tag team. It is like I said, it is WWE, so. I hope that is not the route they go. But the the booking of this match made sense. We've seen this match before. Um, but it w- it was good and uh a lot of a lot of this entire show is just overshadowed by the next match. So I'm excited to talk about that. Well, speaking about people that have met before in the ring, we had Ilya Dragunov Walter 2 for the NXT United Kingdom Championship. Walter's had that son of a bitch for like over 900 days. No big deal. The longest reigning champion uh, in the modern era of WWE. I mean, what can I say about Walter that I haven't already said? (laughs) I mean, he would have been a perfect heel in the 70s in in WWF. I mean, he's totally built like that, you know, Gene Kaninsky or or say a a Killer Kowalski-like heel. Classic as hell. You know, and just dominant, the presence. But Ilya Dragunov, my God, has climbed the ranks as one of my favorite wrestlers. Also, you know, Walter's always had great dance partners. Tyler Bates, incredible. Pete Dunne's incredible. Ilya Dragunov is incredible. You know, all of us fantasize about Walter going against someone like a Samoa Joe, and I definitely want to see that. But he works really well with smaller guys working from underneath. And Ilya has this intensity 
it's like if the Ultimate Warrior was a good wrestler. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. I had, a, I had to throw some Jim Hell. I, I haven't thrown some shade at Jim Hellwig in a while, right, Chris? I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, um, it's, it's about time. We've we've had like two weeks of not shitting on Warrior, so. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what you know what I'm saying like that intensity that's almost scariness and yes the contacts definitely work in his favor his chest looked like fucking hamburger meat it was destroyed but somehow at, by the end of it I was shocked but I wasn't pissed off or bewildered in the sense of Walter tapped out because of the fact that Ilya Dragunov just was relentless he would not give up and the last match they had was awesome i still think i like that one a little bit more the thing that took away from that though was the lack of an audience and this one they had the audience there so it was about i think 23 minutes incredible match um you know walter and Ilya just there was one thing that jim Cornette said that i agree since Ilya already had those stitches in his head from accidentally getting busted open, I believe by Roderick Strong, the week previous, they they could have hard weighed a little bit with Walter, kind of like opening it up a little bit for to add some blood. But I mean, it was it was almost a perfect match. This is classic style wrestling in a modern style, and if Walter goes back to the UK, kind of sucks. I guess he's got to try to get some other talent to a bigger position. But Ilya Dragunov. Two of my favorite wrestlers in the modern age is Walter and Ilya, I would say. Great job, guys. I think it's easily the best match of this year so far. I love this match. I think I like this better than the first match, um, and I loved the first match. But the way they were able to present Ilya Dragunov as this underdog babyface in this match, and I don't know that it would work with him and other people necessarily, but because it's Walter, it made a lot of sense. And it almost, by the end of it, with as with as much as Walter is loved, even though he's supposed to be a heel, he's, he's pretty beloved. It it almost had shades of Rocky Four when he fights Dragoff in Russia. You know, like you like Ilya almost became. But the, the Russians, the, but the Russians, Rocky in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is which is odd to say, but it did have that kind of feel, like he was able able to overcome the impossible. I don't know how it's possible, but or I don't I don't even know how this is how this can occur, but Walter was chopping this fucker so hard he had like chop marks on his neck. <laughs> like how did he get a chop mark on his neck? Um brutal match. I mean it like it was like you said, much much like the first match. I think the audience helped it and like you said, just the relentless the relentless relentlessness of uh Ilya Dragunov ending up with the win via sleeper just because he wouldn't quit. Um, and kind of like, you know, when, when Walter drops back on him and then he just starts throwing everything he has in the kitchen sink to lock back in the sleeper, it's just a great fucking moment. And it almost looked like he was going to be in tears after the match um, and winning. It just felt like a very big moment. I think Meltzer gave this a five star. I would have to, I would actually probably go higher than that on his busted ass scale. But, uh, Great fucking match. Easily my favorite match of the year so far. I, I think it was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So I correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. 
I think the other two matches, especially the one that we're about to talk about, suffered from being after the Walter Dragunov match. I think that that really might have wanted they they might have wanted to put that on last. I know it doesn't make sense due to the fact that it's not the main title, but I just feel like the the energy was sucked out and the next match was good, great wrestling. I'm so bored of the two of them feuding. I don't think we have to worry about that at least for a while. Um it just went on fucking forever, man. People are complaining about Roman Reigns and John Cena. This to me was tiresome unfortunately yeah and it's it's also one of those things where you already it's a two out of three fall match like i was saying last week where you're going to put a still cage above it so you know it's going to the third fall it takes out some of the suspension of disbelief um knowing that adam cole's leaving knowing that we've seen this match and then it going directly after the Valter match did not help this if i'm adam cole and they say i have to go after the Walter match during this i'd be like fuck that <laughs> why does why don't they go before the main event um but yeah kind of unfortunate placing it was a really good match like really great wrestling it's just hard to care about the feud and and like i said some of the suspension to disbelief like the moment of Ilya dragunov kind of doing the impossible there is nothing like that you could do with this match unless you just have it only go two falls, which you're not going to do if you're bringing in a fucking cage, generally speaking. So uh, that was more of my problem with the match is just the the build up to it, the fact that we've seen it so much. And uh, it did go a fucking long time. This went longer than the Valter match. It was almost 30 minutes. So and, and you got to. If you include the time it took to put the cage together, it probably was right around 30 minutes. So I would have to agree with people. It was a very long match and something that we had seen. And the energy was sucked out by just how great the match was that happened right before it. Yep. And I think in a lot of situations, they put a hat on a hat on a hat. JR would say just a hat on a hat. But I mean, with the extreme match and then... Right before the fucking cage comes down, they grab a bunch of shit, throw it in, and then Adam Cole tries to put Kyle O'Reilly through the announce table. I liked the... I thought it was a very interesting ending with um, the uh, the handcuffs and how Kyle was able to turn that into a heel hook and submit. But it also was a bit abrupt and kind of disappointing after you guys have like done everything to each other that a heel hook gets the win over Adam Cole. Just, uh, I don't know. Not the best way to go out, I would say. Because like I said, Adam's either going to the main roster or he's going to somewhere else. NXT and him are done. Yeah, I mean, if you know that he's on his way out, you I would try to have built someone else up that's not Kyle O'Reilly. Nothing against Kyle O'Reilly. I think he's a great wrestler, but that would be the time to pull the trigger on whoever you think your next big guy is. So maybe this match should have been against someone like Rich Holland, which would have been a very short build, or he should have been in the three way for the, the title or something, something where it's a big moment for Adam Cole, knowing that it's probably his last match on NXT. Um, I, I don't know that this helps Kyle O'Reilly just because we've seen this match and he has beaten Adam Cole before. So just another problem with the match. I didn't have a, I, I liked the finish, the Hill hook, because he was like handcuffed while doing a heel hook, which was interesting. So that that spot was was fun. But yeah, good match. Just bad placement on the card. And also, uh, we've seen it. 
and and like you said with with everything else that's going on in nxt it just it's hard to get into some of this stuff really well my most excited thing you know i love uh, obviously i like the uh walter Ilya match the best batch i've seen this year but it also was great to see Samoa Joe hold up that NXT championship for a third time and beating Karrion Cross very decisively, I would say, uh, in less than 13 minutes to end out the night. Man, Karrion Cross's fall from grace. I'll just say it right now. What the fuck did Vince do to this guy? He looked absolutely ridiculous. He looked like someone took the suspenders from like a fucking costume for a fireman and put it on him. He looked like an ex member of demolition that got kicked out. He looked like Lord humongous. He looked fucking ridiculous. I hope that I hope it is true that Scott's going to be the person that, you know, on storyline on the main roster gets him out of his funk because if not, DOA, man. Holy shit. What the fuck was he wearing, Chris? I couldn't wait until Raw to talk about this. I have no fucking clue. I didn't watch Raw as at the same. I watched it the following day, and you sent me that picture, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> There's no other way to put it. If the idea is that Charlotte, like uh, Scarlett is going to show up, Sorry, I accidentally said Charlotte because uh, we were talking about Raw. But if Scarlett Boudreaux is going to show up and be like, what the fuck are you wearing and why are you this character and change him back to what he was when he first got to NXT? That could be an interesting storyline. But if this is what they're actually going with and this is how this guy is going to look going forward, yeah, they have killed him. Um, there was no point to bring him to the main roster. I mean, he's already lost to Jeff Hardy. He's already debuted. That's the other thing. It's like, if you're going to put a new gimmick on him, wouldn't you want him to debut that way? Um, but yeah, this he looked kind of like, uh, like you said, just shades of demolition or toss back to some of the B characters in <laughs> Road Warrior. Uh, bad. Is that just the only bad. fucking movie that Vince McMahon has seen? I bet he's never even seen it. He's just aware of the aesthetic <laughs> is is he not does he not realize that he just gave this look to a tag team right before this with the Jakovic and whatever the fuck his name is um yeah, it did not work there either <laughs> it I, didn't work with ascension it didn't work with this is stupid this is fucking dumb yeah i don't know that this works anymore in general I don't know that you could throw this look on any tag team in, in wrestling right now and it would get over. It's kind of an old... I mean, people, when they see this, they want Demolition or LOD. And unless you think that that team is going to be as dominant and as big as those guys were, it's fucking just pointless to even try it. Especially in the WWF or WWE, whatever you want to say. But yeah, it's fucking it's garbage. And uh, it was fun seeing Joe back. This is his first match since last February. and He, he was be- awesome. Zero signs of ring rust. He looked exactly like Samoa Joe, and he beat the absolutely shit out of Karrion Cross, which is what I think everyone wanted. Oh, God. I just, I, I can't believe it. And this kind of goes to a conversation. And yeah, I agree. Love Samoa Joe with the title. Pay-per-view is pretty good. Favorite match, definitely Dragon off Walter. Everything else was pretty subpar, I would say. 
but love seeing Samoa Joe with that NXT championship third time around him. But uh, busted open, they were having a conversation. First of all, Bully put it out. He goes, he goes, I don't understand this gimmick for Karrion Cross. He goes, everyone, don't get my ass. I'm not saying that he's like Stone Cold Steve Austin, but just listen to what I'm saying. He has this intimidation factor, this scariness to him, this you know, this type of uneasy side to him. And they fucking put a mask on him and make and not even like try to do a good costume. Like you got it from a costume fucking store. Like he's part of demolition fucking 30 years ago. Like. What the fuck, man? I, I Maybe Scarlet will bring him to another Halloween outlet and uh, try to get him back on track, I guess, Chris, because I don't think it helped. Whoever decided beforehand where he started wearing the like gladiator trunks, I feel like Vince took a look at that picture and was like, demolition! And that was it. That was fucking it. I definitely loved how he was displayed at the beginning of it, you know, just all in black and just being just menacing. And I definitely, I don't know why he kind of went away from it, but his look and impact where he had like the hitman look, you know, going on with the glasses and was like just scary scary intimidating so you know you have this guy with great facial expressions what's the best thing to do on the way to the ring put a mask on him what the fuck <laughs> the mask to me is not as bad as the weird x suspenders <laughs> if he wanted to wear a cool shredder helmet to the ring and then take it off less of a problem with that but the entire aesthetic is just fucking terrible it's it's bad um, Do you think know. Glenn Jacobs was like, how did he get the Unibomb uh, outfit from Smoky Mountain? I don't know, but if you're Adam Cole and you were thinking about signing with WWE and going to the main roster and you see this shit on Monday, um, <laughs> might make you be like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, God, you know what I mean? Like... <sighs> We've talked about it in the past, but how many people have they brought up and that it actually worked? And I don't that's know. That's the problem. That's the problem with retaining any of these guys. I mean, I mean, I would say without with this kind of Samoa, not Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens and and Sami Zayn are probably the two exceptions of this rule outside of the four horsewomen of being able to pull people up from NXT and not fuck them up somehow. Ugh. Yeah, and I just think that WWE is going a different direction. Busted Open was also talking about how, even more so than the PG era, the ridiculous shit they're doing on Raw, Karrion Cross's outfit, for instance, um, fucking dolls and shit, like, you know, kind of, it, it, it harpens back to the new generation where it was a bunch of fucking dumb, you know, occupations for certain people that were good wrestlers, but you're a hockey player. You're this. You're that. And how it seems like they're gearing at least Monday Night Raw. And I get it. If this is the case, this is the case. And I'll get over it a little bit. It's more for, they're trying to go more for kids. Do you think that that's kind of true? Very similar to the PG era, the new generation. The only problem with that is, Diminishing returns. New Generation had to go to the Attitude Era because it almost died. It almost killed the WWE with all the cartooniness. So, you know, we're at this new time period. We're getting over the last one, which really was 
Shield, Bray Wyatt, Finn Balor, that whole entire thing. And before that, obviously, was reality era with CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Miz, John Cena being your guys. PG era, before that, it just seems like they're trying to gear it for children again, at least Monday Night Raw. I, but it doesn't come off like anything kids would be into. You know what I mean? Like you're you're making fucking references to Mad Max, a movie that came out <laughs> 41 years ago or whatever. Like that's not something that's going to appeal to kids. That appeals to your older audience who remember what that time period of of WWF is, or that's what it's supposed to do. I mean, the majority of their audience is over the age of 45. Yep. So. I don't know if I if I was a kid, say I was 10 years old and I saw an episode of Dynamite versus Monday Night Raw, I'm probably going to watch fucking Dynamite. So this is such a similarity of what happened with WCW and WWF, you know, and Nitro took it in the direction with the NWO to a new stratosphere and the WWE had to, you know, get their shit together. Thank God SmackDown isn't terrible. That's all I have to say. Because it looks like they're going to crush NXT, which was my favorite show from them, and Raw is abysmal. So I'm uh, looking forward to talking about Raw, because like, I, I have a couple notes that I sent to Chris that he talked about earlier. It's good shit. Good some, shit. Some of the things, like, wasn't didn't they bring one of the fucking Paul brothers back on Raw? I think I skipped through this, that yeah. segment. So some of that stuff is geared towards kids, because, like, kids are going to know him more than us, Right being a YouTube personality. If you're doing stuff like that, then I can see you're gearing towards kids. But at the same time, you, as far as the people that are developing and creating these characters, a la Vince and Bruce Pritchard, etc., they're old as fuck. So <laughs> if you want someone to relate to kids, you need someone that was, I don't know, born in the 90s maybe, or hell, even in the 2000s. Like go hire someone from fucking Nickelodeon or someone that can you can talk to or even hold like, what did it? What did, what is it that the movies do, where they hold like testers? Test audience. Yeah, they, that's what they should be doing on main event when they bring these guys in. Is like get a group of kids for a test audience if you're doing something like that. Because I, if my nieces watch this and they watch AEW Dynamite and they see Karrion Cross dress like that, they're gonna make fun of it. Like they already am not are not huge Jungle Boy fans because they think he's cosplaying. So <laughs> if they saw this. They would well, God damn. hate it. They would hate it. They would go. They would start their own Jim Cornette-esque podcast just to talk about bad characters on WWE Raw. Well, you know, and it doesn't help that. All right, you look at those two generations. We we talked about with the new generation. Yeah, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, you know, Diesel, Razor Ramon, all of them were a part of it. Undertaker, huge players in it. But all the other fucking stupid shit and dumb storylines almost killed the WWE. I don't know this for 100%, but I feel like I dipped out during the PG era. That's when, after Ruthless Aggression, I was like, I'm done. And didn't come, and you know, USC kind of was popular around that time and it just had a more edge to it. And there wasn't competition anymore. You know, you had TNA, but I kind of just got sick of wrestling. And I feel like if it wasn't for the reality era with the pipe bomb and the fucking audience saying, we want this, you know, killing the PG era. I don't think either of those eras financially were the best for WWE is what I'm saying. Definitely not the new generation era. Well, I mean, the, I, the Cena era did very well. 
the like the PG era, like financially. But uh, it's also for older wrestling fans, it's not looked upon that fondly for sure. So I guess it just depends on what you're trying to what you're trying to accomplish. But I think we can both agree it's not what they're doing with carrying cross. That should not be <laughs> be what you're trying to accomplish. No. I, I'm, I think there are things there that kids probably like, like Johnny, John, John Morrison's current gimmick. That seems like something kids would be into, right? I, yeah, but also I, I don't know presenting a thing called a, a drip stick to a child is a good idea either. <laughs> well, I mean, the heartbreak kid was a male stripper, essentially. <laughs> hey, he, he was not. I remember my dad, I, I looked at him and he's kind of like, why, why is he doing this? Like, you know, well, I, I mean, like you said, everyone had an occupation. Shawn Michaels was, I'm a male stripper. Diesel's was, I'm a truck driver. <laughs> like Razor Ramones was, he's a drug dealer. Like the, Bret Hart the, was a hitman? Yeah, he was the, a hit, supposed to be a hitman. Um, so, I mean, if you look at it from that aspect, the, the, the main difference is Karrion Cross isn't any of those guys <laughs> talent-wise. No. As far as a talented wrestler, I mean, those are all fucking legends. That's the difference. You can't just put an occupation on a guy and say, okay, that, that's how you end up with shit like the Repo Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did what he did could with that. At least he was Crusher Cruise Chef and Smash before the fucking Repo Man. God damn. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're about to talk about it. We're on SummerSlam, and there is some decision-making on this that completely had me bewildered so let's get into it uh start off baron corbin now has money we'll talk about that but for the the short period of time he was finally making himself a bit appealing to me with this whole entire homeless because he has to live off a budget but he's acting like he has no money thing stole biggie's briefcase so biggie just beat the shit out of him in six minutes and uh yeah got his briefcase back and then baron Last night on SmackDown, tried to offer him, I think, $10,000 for it because he won a bunch of money in Las Vegas and got out of the hole. But uh, Big E said no. So, um, yeah. This is your turn. So the story is that Corbin was getting himself over with the fans, so they immediately killed the gimmick. Like, seriously. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Because it was one of my favorite things on SmackDown, and now he is just Baron Corbin again. Where before, I wouldn't say it was a relatable character, but it was a fun character. I mean, it had, like, it's kind of like bizarro Cameron Grimes with what they were doing with him, you know? And that made him intriguing to watch, but it's like, nope, can't have Corbin getting over. He's got to be a heel, and they fucking just killed it. But that's what I took out of this. All right, you know what? Before we go into this, I'm going to drink a noon beer. Decided for new listeners, noon beers is what my grandmother would do. Rest in peace, Grammy. Ah, but just need a nice, refreshing beer if you can hear all those nice fucking sound effects. Because we're about to talk about stuff that's a bit ridiculous um, in a second. Well, a uh, sip of beer for the working man. I also happen to. <sighs> nice. <laughs> it's actually 110, but, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit off. My uh, grandmother would be disappointed in me. <laughs> All right, RK Bro. I, I this was a fun match actually. Opened up seven minutes, five seconds, and um, Randy and uh, Riddle basically beat AJ. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I don't know what that's going to mean for Amos and AJ. I think Amos is the way he is, and um, I don't know if I really want him holding back AJ Styles anymore because I feel like AJ should be the main player for at least a U.S. fucking championship. He should be going at... I, I just think this is beneath him, basically. So I'm glad RK Bro won. They're my favorite thing on Monday Night Raw. Now those bastards are making us wait until the end of the damn show to see them. I get what you're doing, WWE. Sly bastards. But um, fun, and uh, this is going to be great. I would build this honestly, Chris. I don't know if, if you're down for this. I would build this up, like have the tiles on them for a while, possibly until like the Royal Rumble, have them lose, and then Randy fucking turns finally on Matt Riddle, and then you build up to WrestleMania with the two of them. I agree. I mean, I think I would have them hold the belts until then. I, w- I might even say that Randy Orton should start turning Riddle heel, and then Riddle has to like have that inner conflict of what I should do in this spot in a match. Um, as far as should I cheat here so we can win, and then you build them up against the New Day, because that's the only other tag team they have, and I don't see AJ and Omos lasting till then because you have to be able to find aj someone else uh to work with at mania i would think so i i would assume that you're going to go with rko or rk bro i should say versus uh new day because that's the only other tag team they have on raw that's i think worthy of that spot but this was a fun match uh yeah i love that idea mainly because of the history with Kofi and Randy, if you get it to Royal rumble, they've had the titles that whole entire time. And Kofi, because maybe Randy is the the guy in the ring, something happens with Matt Riddle. uh, It distracts Randy and Kofi gets one over trouble in paradise pins, Randy Orton, one, two, three, their history titles go to the new day. And then Randy afterwards, Matt Riddle's trying to like, you know, consult him. And of course, RKO, just beats the living shit out of him, punts him. The Viper's back. Go to Mania. Would be awesome. Let's book Raw. Let's do that. Yeah, and, and you get a good tag team feud with Riddle and Orton versus the New Day, and afterwards you get Riddle versus Orton, and the New Day can be the tag team they always are, which is carrying the tag team division, <laughs> essentially. Yep. All right. Next match. We had, oh, my favorite, Alexa Bliss going against Eva Marie. So, oh, God, I can't believe it. They're going to be Shout- doing Charlotte versus Alexa Bliss. Start it off. Tell me how you like this match, Chris. Well, the match itself sh- sucked, but shout out to the crowd for chanting, We Want Wyatt, like the majority of the match. <laughs> I heard that they were taking people's Bray Wyatt signs. Yep. From people in the crowd. That's a real shit thing to do, considering you fired the guy. um, And these people pay money to come and bring... I mean, as long as the signs aren't offensive, I don't see why you would ever take a sign if someone wants to... It's not even... It's not even... It's like it's a fucking AEW sign, which I could see them taking that. Like, we don't want our competition on it. They're they're promoting Bray Wyatt? Fucking stupid. Here's an idea. Don't take Bray Wyatt's gimmick and put it on someone else and then expect the fans not to chant, we want Wyatt. Like, I could see that becoming a fucking CM Punk type deal if you continue to piss people off uh, in that manner as far as what they're going to chant against Alexa Bliss. Uh, The match was shit. (laughs) That's 
that's the only way to sum up what happened in this match. No one cares. It was, it's it's whatever. That's what they're doing with Alexa Bliss. I hope Charlotte just fucking beats her in two minutes and then we're done with Ugh. this and I don't ever have to watch it again. It sucks because I actually like Alexa Bliss as a performer. Me too. I think that she is a good heel, but she's a naturally good chicken shit asshole heel. And that's kind of what she should be playing. Like, take it back to her feud with Bailey, etc. Um, that's that's the character she should be. No one like I haven't heard any adult that likes this doll thing, unless they just are diehard WWE people that are trying to take up for the show. But this has been bad, and it's even worse. I mean, at least when Wyatt was there, we always thought that they they were gonna do something else with the storyline. Now it's like he's gone. And we're still doing this, and it's bad. So that's it. Now now you can uh, go ahead and let all that hate out. Let the hate flow. Um, yeah, this was abysmal. Um, the only thing that was good about it was that Dewdrop finally went off on Eva Marie. And, but then they presented on fucking Monday that she likes the name Dewdrop. Why would why would anyone like the name Dewdrop? Your name was Piper Niven. We didn't even get a chance to fucking get to know your actual name. And then she gets attacked by Eva Marie. I'm sorry. Eva Marie, I think, like, promo-wise, or at least getting heat, heel heat, she's good at. She should be someone's fucking valet. I'm sorry. She's not a fucking wrestler. And it was very noticeable. I think it would be okay if she wanted to come out and say she liked the name Dewdrop, if you had her destroy both Eva Marie and Alexa Bliss after this match. Because she is supposed to be a monster, and uh, now she's going to be feuding with Eva Marie, which no one cares about. Nope. All right, well, we got to a match that I actually did like, just because Sheamus is hard-hitting, but at one time, Damian Priest scared me in this match, but we had Damian Priest, Sheamus... WWE United States Championship. Uh, the one I, in particular I'm talking about, that Damian Priest does this cool thing where he goes off the second rope with his foot and flips over it. And it wasn't that Sheamus wasn't in the right place. He just kind of did it a little bit like he couldn't get his body over completely and just fell on his back and on his head. So that was a little bit scary. But um, hard-hitting match. Damian won. Uh, makes sense. And like I said, man, I, I, I don't think that he is, he's very much in a different way. He would have been perfect. I think in the seventies as a heel or even the early eighties, uh, with Seamus. But as far as making it look like a brutal confrontation, he's doing some of his best work, but, um, I'm glad that Damian priest has the U S belt. I think that's a step in the right direction. Less than 14 minutes was this match. Chris. I thought it was a really, really good match. I liked the uh, I liked the finish with, you know, because you had Sheamus using the the mask, the steel mask, uh, to headbutt Priest kind of early on, but then it become it becomes part of the end of the match where Priest just yanks the some bitch off and starts wailing on Sheamus's broken face in quotations, and then just beats him clean for the title. I'm okay with it. I, uh, Sheamus has been great since coming back from injury and. He's cut down weight, and I think he looks really, really good in the ring. Uh, more of the problem is they've switched him from heel to babyface a bazillion times. They've put him in tag teams. They've put him with terrible factions. 
it, it's really hard to undo what they did to Seamus. Like having him beat Daniel Bryan in 17 seconds it was kind of the decline of Seamus. Before then, they thought he was well, going to be their next John Cena because he was kind of loved by kids and he was a white meat baby face. And I think he was playing literally white. Well, uh, but it's really hard to rehab a guy that you've given a bunch of bullshit for for 10 years. And this is probably just Seamus and unless Seamus leaves and goes somewhere else, which I don't see, he'll probably finish out his career in WWE. But this run has been really, really good. And I'm assuming they're going to go back to this match. I don't think that this feud is done, but it was fun to see Priest win. And uh, he's undefeated in singles competition, which I did not know the other day until the other day. Well, it looks like he needs a, a match with Jeff Hardy um, immediately. Uh, also, what the fuck are they doing with Jeff Hardy? Let's talk about that. He beat Carrying Cross, which was stupid as fuck, but he is a legend, and they barely had him on TV. And, like, why did he resign? I don't understand. Ugh. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. I do know that Jeff Hardy caught COVID, so he was out for 14 days regardless. Yeah. Uh, and that was part of why he was they had that match. And then I think the idea was they were going to do more with him and Karrion Cross, But I, I don't know. I don't know why you beat Karrion Cross to begin with, regardless of who it is, unless you put him in there with fucking Lesnar or something um, right off the bat. If you're trying to build a new star. But then again, they did dress him up <laughs> in that ridiculous outfit. So uh, I don't know that would, would have mattered if he continued to feud with Jeff Hardy. Um, as far as Poor Jeff Karrion Hardy Cross. resigning, I have... I have no idea why Jeff Hardy resigned unless he just is loyal to Vince to some extent, or the money was just fucking ridiculous. Cause I'm sure he's making more than Matt um, in WWE versus AEW. Possibly. Uh, I just don't get it. Poor fucking carrying cross, man. Just, uh, yeah. Anyways, let's move on. Got the Usos, Jay and Jimmy versus Mysterios, Ray and Dominic. I've seen this match a million fucking times. I don't remember anything that happened to this because I've seen this match a million fucking times. Uh, the Usos won, and this is setting up just like last night, Dominic's match against Sami Zayn. Uh, some inner turmoil with Ray and Dominic. And, of course, we're going to end up having a heel Dominic turn on his father and then that build up for a storyline that I probably can't stand. Another guy that probably should have gone to AEW towards the beginning when his contract was up, Rey Mysterio, but wanted to stay there to avoid his son having to go to NXT to get real proper, you know, training, I would say. I know that he's trained partially by Lance Storm, but I'm saying that he needs NXT, to me at least, in matches like this where he has the Usos he's going against. He's a bit exposed. So I'm not trying to be a dick, but... Uh, if 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 Ray wasn't a part of fucking WWE, Dominic wouldn't be on the main roster. I mean, that's really just how it goes. And I just don't have interest in Dominic versus Ray. I don't care. I'm glad the Usos still have the belts. Yeah, I mean, also if Dominic's not on the main roster, Ray doesn't resign that fucking contract. So yep, <laughs> that that's the that's another way to look at it. But uh, this match was fine. We've seen it. That's that's the other thing, and that just shows lack of tag teams, and it does seem like they are building towards Ray versus Dominic, which, um, I don't know. It could be fun. I, being father and son, they'll have plenty of time to work out whatever details they want to do in that match, so I'm assuming that match could end up being very good, but I, I agree. He's still green, and 
you know, it's not, he's never going to get to the level he needs to be if he's working three minute tag matches on Raw or on SmackDown, I should say. I agree. All right. So I think this might have been the, uh, the worst part of the night for me. I don't know where they're going with this. I hope what happened and the reason why Becky didn't straight up go heel, which is the rumor, is that they're presenting her in a heel direction. Maybe there was backlash, so they backed off of that because I don't know why the fuck you do that. Just like Keith Lee. Don't understand how you would take that baby face and turn him into a heel, but WWE, you guys know what the fuck you're doing, right? Um, so this was the, the excuse from a lot of WWE fans. Well, they just they didn't have enough time to have an actual match, or Becky ha- still has ring rust. My two things about that. If you're going to have a fucking segment with Super Soakers, with Xavier Woods, take up part of the goddamn time. Or, here's the thing. Why the fuck was Carmella even in this? Why didn't Becky answer the call? They have like a five-minute fucking match. Becky gets the, like the best of her, and that's it. You can still position her if you really want to, and I have no idea why, because you don't have that many baby faces. Becky is one of your biggest superstars, period, in the company. But either way. You can't have a little bit of a competitive match with Bianca. And you guys told people that came into that building and people that pay for your network like me that the fucking match was going to be Bianca versus Sasha. And we were told, if you're, if you're in the know, we're told by Wrestling Inc., other outlets, Sean Ross Sapp, that's not happening. You fucking wait until the match. The match. And then you fuck over Bianca in 26 seconds. Becky, who apparently still has ring rust, and that's why she couldn't go on for five to ten minutes. So you're going to put the belt on her? None of this made fucking sense. People like making excuses. This was all terrible. And it really kind of flashed me back to the Kofi Kingston incident. And uh, Bianca and Kofi have something in common. And it's crazy that you have no problem doing that type of fucking shit with them. Not going to even go into it. You know what I'm fucking talking about. I thought this was disgraceful. It pissed me off with Becky. I don't know why you'd want me to dislike Becky Lynch. This is so dumb. Just, uh, I don't. If I had something to throw, I do have something to throw, but it's my beer, and I'm not going to do that. If I had something to throw, I'd fucking throw it right now. I'm going to turn to the big show and just destroy my house. Chris, what'd you think? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think one, it's shitty to continuously promote, even before the match with a video package that the match is Bianca versus Sasha Banks. If you know that Sasha Banks is not going to be there two weeks ahead of time. I think having Becky show up was for the fans in the building and the people that are watching this pay-per-view for that match to give you a big moment and say like Becky's back, but couldn't you have just done the moment without that being the match and you could have just had Bianca beat Carmella and then, you know, Becky comes out, cuts a promo or that. And if you want her to beat down Bianca after the fact, she could still do that. Like she could say, I'm the man. And then Bianca kind of give her a shove. And then that, you know, that's when she drops her. If you wanted to go that route, but uh, having her just hit a rock and I'm not calling it a fucking whatever man slam or whatever they called it. Uh, she hit a fucking Uranagi or a rock bottom pins her is 26 seconds. And if you're like Carmela, like she never started the match. So, like, technically, Carmella should have still got a match. Um, 
yeah, it's just a shitty segment all around. I agree. I don't know why you would want Becky to be a heel. The fans aren't going to treat her as a heel. Uh, it makes Bianca look bad. I don't know what the fuck you do when Sasha comes back because I still feel like people want to see the Sasha Bianca rematch. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I've heard as well is that they didn't think that Becky would be in good enough ring shape to have a match. But then they did a match anyways, which you didn't have to do. You could have just had Bianca beat Carmella and then come out, cut the same promo and then whip her ass. Which would have been fine. That would have had shades of what her character is, which is like Stone Cold Steve Austin, not fucking hitting her before the ring bell one move and then pinning her. (sighs) Just so disgraceful. Felt bad for Bianca. I just... And maybe Sasha was going to get the belt. That was what the, where they were going. But still, there's a better way to go around this. Carmella didn't look good, obviously, in any of this. I like your idea. She beats Carmella really quickly. People are all aggravated. Then Becky comes out. They have a stare off. That's all you need to do. And then you can kind of go from there. Or like I said, I hate excuses from fans on, on any side of the things. The AEW ones, WWE, the diehards that just love shit put in their mouth and, you know, will claim it tastes like fucking uh, flame and yawn, no matter what. Um, if you're going to tell me that there wasn't enough time to even put a five to ten minute match in there between the two of them, like I said, get rid of the fucking dipstick, drip, whatever the goddamn segment, and just don't have Carmella in it. Just have Becky come out, they have a fucking match, and that's it. Or do what Chris said. Have Carmella come out, she beats her really quick, and then Becky comes out. It did not have to go on Becky. She's a, she was a fucking Raw superstar. She was literally on the Raw roster Monday morning when I checked because someone said something about that online. And I was like, just, oh, my God. I just, I don't get it. I'm, I, in, like, I mean, the thing people should be pissed about is you were promised a Bianca-Sasha match, which was considered the best women's match in WWE over the past year since Mania. And I think a lot of people were looking forward to that rematch. I mean, I know I was. Yep. Um, So, I mean, as far as the time goes, originally they were supposed to finish by 8 o'clock. I looked down. They're doing fucking Rick Boggs and Shinsuke Nakamura for three minutes. And I'm like, they got like 20 minutes left in the show. But apparently Vince just said, fuck it, and went. (laughs) Like, this show didn't end until almost 10. So they went way over what the time was supposed to be, which they were supposed to be done by eight. Um, Apparently, Vince said, fuck you, which is not the first time he's done this. I mean, go back and look at why the company is called WWE now instead of WWF by uh, (laughs) promising people you weren't going to do stuff and then doing whatever the fuck you want, which is what Vince did. So, like, the time to me shouldn't matter if you're just going to say fuck it and do whatever you want anyways. There's plenty of stuff you could have cut out. And like I said, Nakamura wasn't even a fucking match. I'm, like, watching this entrance, and I'm, like, who is Nakamura facing? Because I was, like, did we miss this when we talked about it? Because we talked about it earlier that day (laughs) of people who weren't on the card. Nakamura was one of the names we brought up. He shows up. I think there's a match. I'm, like, oh, cool. Nakamura is going to go against someone. It's probably, like, Sami Zayn or something, right? Nah. He's just there (laughs) for three minutes (laughs) to fucking hold the title up as Rick Boogs shreds on a guitar that's and, and don't get me wrong i love that moment because it was funny with nakamura and boogs on the announce table with uh, pat mcafee 
and all of them are in white. It was it was funny. But like I said, if these motherfuckers are going to make excuses and say there wasn't enough time to have a five to ten minute match when you had that whole entire build up of Carmella that really wasn't necessary. You had that fucking segment with the Intercontinental title champion coming out just for the hell of it and all the bullshit at the end with Miz and Morrison and Xavier Woods. Just shut the fuck up. Well, yeah, that, and we had a five-minute video package of uh, Bianca versus Sasha, and then we didn't get the fucking match. <laughs> so, so <laughs> like, it's, uh, uh, it was You know, and me and you, me, like I said, me and you are in the know, so we're seeing people reporting on Twitter, it's not happening, this is not happening, they've known this for two weeks. And I'm like, when the fuck are they going to make the announcement? It's like, oh, okay, well, they have the promo video, maybe, uh, maybe Raj Giri and Sean Ross Sapp get some wrong information, you know, that shit happens. And then they do it right at the fucking start. It, that's so misleading. Yeah, and it, like a, it's and they promoted it all through the pre-show, and it's it's just bad all around. WWE did this with Charlotte at a house show recently, where they knew Charlotte was going to be a Triple A. They promoted her for the fucking house show, and then they're like, oh well, you know, she's not here. It's like <laughs> you guys can't do this to fans. Um, well, I mean, I guess they can if they're just if people are just going to make excuses for WWE on bad stuff. And like I said, you could have took the same amount of time. You could have just had Bianca destroy Carmella in 30 seconds. It wouldn't have yep. hurt Carmella. And then you could just do the Becky shit afterwards and people wouldn't be so offended by it. So even if you didn't want to do a match, there's still a way to give people Becky and still do that beat down or whatever. And get to the same place you are now. So you shouldn't make excuses for shitty booking. Just call it what it is. Spade to spade. Um, all right. So next we had an amazing less than five minute match with Drew McIntyre and his giant sword. I'm not talking about his penis going against Jinder Mahal, uh, who Vera and Shanky were banned from ringside. Um, I'm sure when these guys have talked about it in the past, wanting to work with each other, this is exactly the scenario <laughs> storyline and five-minute match they were hoping for um god what the fuck has happened to drew mcintyre i don't know that's a good question um they didn't live up to that stip though because he's chasing motherfuckers around with a sword that aren't supposed to be at ringside this was an absolute just demolishment of uh gender so i'm assuming they're still trying to keep drew strong to some extent but yeah this just it was weird the steps were weird um drew tried to murder a guy with a sword so at least they paid off that it's really good oh my god they're about to go to saudi arabia which is unfortunately where we're probably going to get brock lesnar versus roman reigns by the way Ugh. anyways just really really good to have the idea to have a giant white guy william wallace motherfucker with a giant sword Threatening to behead three Middle Eastern gentlemen from India. Yeah. Um, odd choice. <laughs> For sure. Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel bad for gender, which is saying something because I'm not a big gender fan. But, like, they brought him in for this storyline just because they had nothing for Drew to do. And I would assume they they could have a pretty good match like we saw drew have a good like good matches with bobby lashley before bobby lashley really i think lashley's gotten a lot better um since their first match but i don't know i would think that gender and drew would have a satisfactory match without all of the bullshit around it if you wanted to go that route 
But uh, nah, they went this way. It's fine. I, he did try to kill a guy with a sword, and the fans seem into that. So that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing really to say. Only in pro wrestling can you explain that scenario to someone, and it's actually no, no, that really that that happened. Yeah, it's like that. It's like that Twitter account wrestling with no context. So years from now, they're gonna post like him swinging his sword at a guy. People are gonna be like, "What the fuck?" Uh, all right, triple threat match: the champion Nikki Ash, uh, the Raw Women's Champion, I should say, going against Charlotte, Rhea Ripley. This actually was a pretty good three-way match, and I'm glad that Charlotte got the win over Nikki with the fucking uh, you know figure eight and. I thought that she got to a level past all this. I was hoping maybe we'd go in a direction of just her and Rhea again, because I like the chemistry and they keep on fucking up the actual storyline, which I don't know how you could. But uh, Alexa came out on Monday Night Raw to challenge Charlotte. So, yeah, this is great. What the fuck did this do for Butterfly Girl? I don't know. Do you think Charlotte's going to try to put that little doll into a figure four? I'd pop for that. I, I want someone. <laughs> I hope I, I hope Marco Stunt uh, marries uh, Lily the doll. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe Drew McIntyre will behead the doll with his giant sword. That would um, be cool. <laughs> this is uh, I'm I, I'm not excited. I, I liked this three-way match a lot. I was going to go ahead and start with that, but I am also not very excited on. On the Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte because they're not done with with Alexa being Alexa and uh, last time they put a superstar against someone like Bray Wyatt with a similar storyline uh, Seth Rollins pissed his pants so I'm not looking forward to whatever they do coming out of this that was actually ectoplasm um, anyways uh, speaking about Seth Rollins I think this was my favorite I don't know the last match both of them were I thought awesome uh, Edge won against Seth Rollins. Edge looked really good, you know. Um, this was less than 22 minutes, the second longest match on the card after the main event. But, I mean, Seth's finesse is one of – he's got some of the best finesse, I think, in the uh, industry. Uh, and Edge is – I don't know if I need him to do the spear to the outside. Like, I know that he did that in the past. We remember the spot with the fire table and fucking McFoley. And I don't even like Big E doing it, really. It's just like if you got spinal stenosis, man. I don't know. That's a. At least he had Seth. Seth looked like he guided him down, but there's so much that can go wrong in that uh, situation. But I was surprised. I thought that Seth was going to win, but I guess Edge kind of did need the win. I. I. It seems like they're going to keep on going with this, or at least that's the opinion that I got last night from their promos. Maybe they aren't. Maybe uh, you know, the draft is coming up soon. I think in the next month or two. So maybe one will go to another location. Edge is rumored to be going to Raw, which he could probably could probably use a star power. If I'm going to still watch it, I might as well see some people I like. Because um, right now it's like, I, I like Drew, but now it's because... And Bobby's fine, but it's like, what? The New Day and fucking RK-Bro? And Charlotte? So if Edge goes over there, I'm fine with that. Thought this was a damn good match. Um, I, I would like to see another match with the two of them. Uh, what, what did you think, Chris? Very good match. Uh, as far as baby faces go, Edge is the biggest superstar they have. So, I, I you know, if you want to go the route, if, if Lesnar is still going to be 
a heel and you, that's your next match after Roman is him versus Lesnar. I could see them doing that, but I could also, like you said, if they do a draft, I could see him moving to raw. You need someone to face Bobby Lashley. It's obviously not going to be drew. Um, we thought maybe it would be Keith Lee, but they're turning Keith Lee Hill. It's not going to be carrying cross. Cause he fu- he's a fucking goof. Now I think so, it's going to be Gage Goldberg, Gage Goldberg. Uh, <laughs> I like Lashley was like, fuck your kids, <laughs> by the way. Bobby Lashley snapped. I, th- I thought they were going to do that. I actually teased them doing that, but I thought that was going to be where Lesnar showed up. <laughs> Suplex, everybody. I was wrong on my prediction. Either way, at least they gave us the fuck your kids moment, uh, which they immediately had MVP explain away the next night, which was terrible. But uh, yeah, they- I, I thought this was a very good match. It probably was the best match on the show. The Cena and Roman match was really, really good as well. So I could, you know, you could say either one, really. All right. Then we had what we were just talking about. Bobby Lashley, Bill Goldberg. The match that we definitely needed um, where we faked an injury on Bill Goldberg. Bobby Lashley just destroyed him which is good and fine. And then so badly that after he wins, he keeps on going after Goldberg or they call off the match. Um, his son jumps in and not knowing who it was, he put him in the full Nelson, knocked his ass out. Goldberg still selling his leg in the corner, has no idea what's going on. And like you said, MVP grabs the microphone is like, Oh, he didn't know it was your 15 year old son. Like while they're walking out of the fucking ring, Goldberg's like, Marshawn! And uh, on top of Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, it looks like this will be another big match coming to the Saudi Arabia show. Um, So because, you know, this one was great. So we definitely need a second Bobby Lashley, Bill Goldberg match. What the fuck was this? I don't know, but you definitely should have had Bobby Lashley just be or MVP be like, fuck your kids and kept the heel heat as opposed to start kicking them, just start kicking them on the fucking floor. Yeah, instead of trying to explain it away, because if you're supposed to care about the match, now you're like what they're telling you you should feel like is Bobby Lashley thought it was a random fan. And it's like, well, that's not very heel. You know, if Bobby Lashley well, knew it was Goldberg's Chris, kid and did not care, that would make you care more about Goldberg getting a win back. Here's the thing. I don't know if everyone was, but uh, the people in the fucking place were rooting for Bobby Lashley and actually popped and were happy when he put the full Nelson on the child. So, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and I would assume that you have to, I mean, I wouldn't have, unless you're going to have Goldberg beat him at Saudi and have the title, and then you redo the Lesnar-style match at at Mania. But does anyone want to see that? No. Like, um, Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, and if you want to make people care about it, don't have MVP apologizing for Bobby Lashley. Or at least, you know, at the very least, later down the road, Lashley had been like, oh, I knew it was your kid. And maybe they go with that. But, like, if the idea is Goldberg is mad because he choked out his kid or whatever, play that up and don't backpedal on it. This was this was bad. Anyways, uh. I think this was my favorite match, actually. I don't know. I mean, I think that the action might have been better in The Edge and Seth Rollins, but this, even though people said that it was slow at the beginning, I thought it just, 
I thought it really worked. I've watched both of these matches twice. Uh, I watched the Walter Ilya match three times so far. Uh, but Roman Reigns, John Cena, you know, it's it's time. WWE Universal Championship on the line, a title in which I don't think John Cena's held. Um, you know, and he breaks Ric Flair's record. But unfortunately, they had us believing because they really promoted that. And I think this was stupid of them. That John Cena, if he wins this, he breaks the fucking record. So maybe there is a possibility for that to happen. And then Roman Reigns is like, I'm putting my, if, if I don't win, I'm done with WWE. It's like, oh, okay, well, then obviously you're going to fucking win. That was just stupid. But um, good match, man. 24 minutes. I mean, they did everything and then some. They beat the living shit out of each other. And Roman got the win. Spear, one, two, three. There was a video that I watched of this dad who watched his son, huge John Cena fan, had his outfit on already, and he had no idea what was going to happen. You know, when he when he uh, when he lost at the end, uh, the kid lost it. He was not too happy about the situation. So, I guess you know John Cena going back to do some movies, man. So thank you for for coming back for the short time period, cutting awesome promos, and having this awesome match with Roman Reigns, John. Yeah, we'll I talk about this stuff afterwards. By the way, yeah, I I, uh, I liked this match a lot. I, I know that a, I know people have complained about it being a slow match, but Roman and John work very methodical WWE old style wrestling. It's much like walk, watching a Randy Orton match or a Triple H match. That's the kind mm-hmm. of match they're gonna have. So if you didn't like this, you're probably definitely not gonna like Rock versus Roman. <laughs> like. Outside yep. of the story, it's going to be the vi- it's going to be very similar to what this match is. If you want Roman to have the kind of fast paced, crazy matches, you need to put him in with someone like Finn Balor and have Paul book the match similar to what he did with Finn and, and Lesnar. Like you need to switch up who Roman would be going against. Um, but if you're going to put him in with people that are the same size that work the same style, yeah, he's going to have to have a long match to tell the story that they're trying to tell. And I thought this one was very well done. And you get a huge surprise at the end. I had absolutely no problem with this match. Not the greatest match I've ever seen, but it was a good match on a pretty decent. I actually thought this pay-per-view was, act- was pretty good. I think that the Bianca stuff really pissed me off and put me in kind of a bad mood watching it. But as we talk through these matches, there was some pretty good stuff on the show overall. Yeah. Looking back, the RK bro tag match was great. I like Sheamus and Damian priest. The Usos and Mysterios, like you said, it wasn't a bad match. So we've seen it a bunch. Um, the three way women's match wasn't bad. Uh, Edge and Seth Rollins was really good. And this was really good. But you know what was the biggest pop of the night, I would say, over Becky? Here's the thing about Becky. She had a great pop, and that place was fucking deflated and confused after what happened when she left. So there's that. But, you know, they're in the ring celebrating. Paul's got his his lay on. You know, Roman's got his. You know, the uh, the Usos are in the ring all celebrating. Then all of a sudden here, and a fucking living Viking. Walks to the damn ring. People are people are making fun of, of, of Brock Lesnar's hair and facial hair. Dude, I want him to rock that. Could you imagine the fear of being some native up in fucking Canada, freezing your balls off near the ocean in your hut, 
and all of a sudden a fucking boat with guys that look like that, and I guess technically Edge since he was on Vikings, jump out of it and slaughter everyone. I mean, like I said, you got the Samoan dynasty and you know, and and the Vikings, and like two of the scariest. The the stare off was great. Brock's acting like a baby face, fucking smacking hands and kissing babies afterwards. Paul Heyman should win a fucking Oscar. Gets to the point where he looks like he's crying on the way out with Roman after they he convinces him to get the fuck out of uh, Brock's face while Brock's smiling at him, grinning ear to ear, and is just saying, oh my God, oh my God. You know, just freaked out. I love what they did last night, and we'll talk about it when we get to SmackDown, um, of, of, of Paul not being sure if Roman trusts him since he had a relationship with Brock Lesnar. The only thing that sucks about this is apparently this was put together like the week of, and apparently, just like Becky Lynch being added, was reactionary towards CM Punk showing up at, at uh, whatchamacallit, um, uh, Revolution or whatever their their show is. Rampage. There you Rampage. go. Yeah. Um, so this is their counter for it, which if that's true, that's fine, because I got Brock Lesnar back. The only problem is it's not going to be apparently at Extreme Rules, but it's going to be at the Saudi Arabian show. Which will still get the match, but I mean, I want it out of fucking pay per view over here. I'll just say that. But uh, everything else, I mean, it was awesome. I thought Brock looked awesome. It's weird having a baby face Brock, uh, but I love Paul's reaction. I thought this was going to happen. I predicted it, and it fucking happened. Yeah, you had the prediction right. I thought he was going to kill Goldberg's kid. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen. That might have made more sense since it's happening at Saudi Arabia, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> maybe this means that they're not going to get the rock. Also, I guess we'll see if Lesnar actually stays on the brand. Um, but yeah, fun stuff. Great to see Lesnar back. The thing about people making fun of Lesnar, he doesn't give a fuck. The guy's got a giant sword tattooed through the center of his chest it looks ridiculous he doesn't <laughs> this is not <laughs> lesnar doesn't give a f... brock lesnar doesn't give a fuck about you <laughs> i'm just gonna go ahead and say that so make fun of him all you want he's gonna be a big part of the show and he always moves the damn number um in in retrospect to history people are gonna have to go back and consider brock lesnar as one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, just because of what he's been able to accomplish, even in such a short wrestling run. Like we think about his wrestling appearances. It's one of the shortest, most popular runs of all time. It's ridiculous. Cause he's only wrestling like six matches a year. So it's nuts. He still moves the number the crowd. Like you said, fucking exploded. And uh, the aftermath, I, it, I don't understand why you didn't just uh, put that on. You still had plenty of time, but uh, and yeah. yeah, especially if you're gonna per, per, or show that on the raw recap of it, you're gonna show him destroying John Cena. Why not just have him do that, not for the live crowd? If you're gonna show it anyways, no clue. I guess that Vince realized that they were over the eight o'clock hour. I don't know at nine forty-five or whenever the shit ended. Um, uh, it was great. I actually like the way Lesnar, I like Lesnar's new look. It's something fresh and he looks like a fucking crazy man, which is kind of how Lesnar always looks, but now it's amplified. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I I'm excited for Lesnar to be back. I kind of wanted it on raw with Lashley. And then I thought you could split Heyman up 
and then eventually down the road you could have done Lesnar versus Roman if you wanted to but uh like I said maybe things aren't looking good for getting the rock back and they'll have this match at Saudi Brock can win the rumble and they do Roman versus uh Brock at Mania but uh you know we they've been teasing for months that it's going to be the rock or that's always been the rumor that's what they're trying to do if you don't have the rock the good fallback plan for Roman would be Brock Lesnar, I would think. I still think that's a bigger match than him versus Lashley. Yeah, I agree. And I think the the reversal this time, the fact that you do have the Paul Heyman element in there, the fact and Paul's fucked over people in the past. You know, that's not like a weird thing. But Roman is the heel and Brock is the baby face. Like we complained about getting this match so many fucking times, but now I am so intrigued to where they're going to go with this. Well, that and Paul is involved with the guys so much now that I'm assuming they're going to let Paul book the match. So the match should be very good. Especially with yep. Paul. Roman's been putting out lately. Um, I don't know. D- does Lesnar get a new manager? What would that look like? Uh, there's some there's some fun stuff that you can hey, do. Hey, baby, just, just, just give me a call, baby, and I'll, I'll represent <laughs> you. Rock and roll, baby. Lesnar comes out with fucking Cornette next week. <laughs> oh, I was doing Jimmy Hart, but that would be awesome. No, I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, Jimmy Hart would be funny, but uh, <laughs> just imagine that. <laughs> you get Cornette versus Paul Heyman promos. There's a lot of fun stuff. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm just saying. What's what's Paul Ellering doing? He seems like he's a Lesnar guy. You know, I don't know, man, but pretty awesome stuff. Um for the ending of the show. Definitely excited about it. You want to talk about Monday Night Raw? Well, do you want to talk about the su- suplex suplex city that occurred? Or do you want to wait until we get there on Raw for the video package? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, we can talk about it. So if you guys didn't know, it went off air. They showed it on Monday Night Raw at the beginning. They showed pictures of it. They just didn't show the video footage, but it was on their Twitter account immediately afterwards. Cena is outside. Brock realizes it. Goes and grabs him, brings him in the fucking ring, suplex city uh, several times, and then an F5 and leaves Cena laying. And <laughs> wow, I think, who knows, maybe they're setting up for if John can return sometime in the future time period for one last big match with him and Brock Lesnar, which would be a pretty fucking big match for them to be able to do. And it's getting to the point where those guys, both of them are getting older, so only a matter of time sort of thing. Well, I mean, if Lesnar gets to continue to work his schedule and Cena gets to continue to work this schedule, they can wrestle until they're like 70. <laughs> Good point. Because <laughs> uh, both those guys are in such incredible shape. I don't I don't think they're going anywhere. But uh, it was fun. It made me really want another Extreme Rules match between Lesnar and Cena which that last one they had, I think that was at extreme rules where they, where Cena beats him with the ST, uh, the, the STFU on the, uh, on the fucking stairs. Remember that they've had yep. good matches in the past. So I would definitely be down to see another one. I watched the, uh, SummerSlam one from a few years back. God damn. They just had Brock Lesnar come back and dominate fucking Cena in two seconds. <laughs> he suplexed him like 20 times in that match. And then the next year, he almost kills Randy Orton. Yeah. They do a good job of bringing Lesnar back. So, um, 
I don't know. It's a Saudi pay-per-view, so that might be weird, but I don't know. Roman Roman should be worried, <laughs> to say the least. Should be. All right. These are the notes. This is the text, I should say, that I sent Chris while watching Monday Night Raw, because I know that he doesn't watch it live if he watches it at all. And, no, you know, a lot of times we don't go over a lot of stuff that happens on Raw outside of, like, the RK bro shit because it's terrible. But I said... It almost took an hour to build Priest uh, and McIntyre versus Lashley and Sheamus to start off with a promo with Lashley and MVP talking about their win. You you know, Chris already alluded to apologizing about the whole Gage thing. You know, Goldberg doesn't come out or anything like that, but Damian Priest comes out. Basically, he wants his title. And uh, this, this gets more conflict. We have a match started, then stopped, then a tag match started with Sheamus and Bobby Lashley against Drew McIntyre and um, what the hell, uh, Drew McIntyre and uh, Damian Priest. So at one point, Bobby's like, fuck this, leave Sheamus. Sheamus gets pissed off later on, gets in his face. They're having a match on Raw, which should be hard hitting, that's for sure. But... uh, yeah, it took an hour to build that match. Then they go to Dewdrop. She likes her fucking name. So she's not going back to Piper Niven. She likes Dewdrop. Gets dropped by Eva Marie and destroyed. Um, Karen Cross joined Demolition. Uh, and then Logan Paul was on Moist TV. Uh, this would lead to something cool. And I'll go into some of the highlights. The, the couple highlights of Raw. But it took fucking forever. Logan Paul was playing a pretty good heel. That's for damn sure, because the audience hated him. Um, and this was not, this is at 9.22. I'm like, oh my God, we're not even an hour and a half into this fucking shit. Just bash my head in with a baseball bat. Can you do that next time, Chris? <laughs> I'm glad that you gave me the heads up, because when I was watching this Tuesday morning, I just watched the MVP stuff, skipped a lot. And uh, I watched Moist TV and these matches, I matches in quotations, I should say, because they were kind of just all over the fucking place. Um, yeah, they really need that four hour show that did big, big cons talking about. Fucking idiot. <laughs> He's a business man. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm a shipping manager. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? Oh, man. Yeah, this was a this was a very bad raw. I heard that it did really well in the ratings, and that's because I'm under the assumption people thought Goldberg or Lesnar were going to be on the show, because it pulled like 2.2 million or something. Well, that did not happen. We did have some pretty interesting things pick up. Um, So the whole entire thing with Logan Paul, Miz comes out, he's like, hey, you didn't tell me that you were going to do the interview, and John Morrison's like, well, I didn't think I had to tell you, and they've been bickering lately. Um, Xavier Woods calls out the Miz. They have a match. Morrison ends up fucking up and Miz gets a loss. And afterwards, they look like they're about to do their routine. Miz is pretty pissed off and then just beats the living fuck out of John Morrison, leaves him laying and gives him his uh, finisher. And then later on, why do they do shit like this? Why did we have to have an interview with Morrison? Like, shouldn't he have so- sold the fact that he got his ass kicked? I actually like that because now Morrison's going to become a babyface. Him and Miz can probably have a really good match. But to me, if you get destroyed in the middle of the ring, 
sell that shit. Don't come back later on like, oh, you know, I'm a little bit beat up, but now I'm 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 I'm, I'm gonna get him. You can cut that babyface fucking promo the next week. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, what did you think about the uh, the turn, Chris? Well, Miz works better as a straight heel, and I don't know. Does anyone really want to boo John Morrison at this point? The king of no. drip. Um, right? Which one's the king of drip? Him or Seth? Maybe they'll start a tag team. That'd be fun. If, if Seth uh, comes to Raw, though, it would be really fun to have him as a heel going against John Morrison as a babyface for that title. When we were, when we were talking about this earlier, and I said they really need a strong baby face. So if edge gets drafted there, that would make sense for Lashley. Building up John Morrison would also make a lot of sense. He's already got the crowd behind him. He's a great fucking wrestler. Him and Lashley have wrestled before. Could have some really good matches. If that's where this is leading to fuck. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I care that much about Miz versus Morrison. And except for furthering Morrison as a baby face. And I will say that we could use a really good heel in the Miz back again, like how he used to be. Not this bullshit that he's done for the last like fucking six months to a year where he actually won the title. Um, but still. Yeah, I think bring back his wife as his manager, too, would be great. Oh, yeah, I'd love uh, that. I would like to see Maurice back. I thought they were really, really funny. There's still a lot of stuff they can do there with uh, those two. And you can have a good mid-card heel in mids. Um, someone that's not going to be at the very top. Because if you're going to run with Lashley for a while, which is seems like the case, you still need some stuff in the middle of the show so it's not 9.30 before we see any actual wrestling that means anything. All right. Um, some of the stuff else that happened on the show. Uh, Monsoor defeated Jinder Mahal. Apparently, they're going to go for a tag team, a babyface tag team with him and Ali. That's what they're building for. I think this is all fucking kind of lazy. And, um, yeah, I heard Raj Giri. And Raj Giri, I believe, and I hope I'm not wrong on this. I'm, he's Indian descent. He just said it's fucking lazy. You're just taking the two guys, one's from, you know, one's Saudi Arabian, one's Indian, and just putting them in a tag team together. But kind of agree with that. And... I guess they're going to feud with gender, which even makes it lazier, but whatever. Lexa Bliss confronted Charlotte Flair. Uh, Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley uh, beat uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, and looks like they're a tag team now. Well, we can't. Should we uh, Should we have Rhea back in the singles? No, we'll put her on a tag team with the Butterfly Girl. Great idea, guys. And last but not least, I could see Riddle and AJ Styles having matches fucking forever. They have great chemistry. Awesome in the ring. Riddle got a win over AJ. Uh, almost almost got the best of Riddle, distracting him. But Randy Orton took the scooter that Matt Riddle gifted him and beat the shit out of Omis with it. Um, but yeah, if you haven't noticed, the thing that people like the most, RK-Bro, is now for the second time or third time put at the main event slot. So they're trying to make us watch the whole fucking show to get to that, Chris. Well, I mean, they are the most over thing on the show, so they are the main event to some extent. Um, bro, Randy Orton has been so great for the past two years. <laughs> this was yeah. awesome. I love the scooter beatdown. The scooter beatdown was brilliant. Um, just because it was a throwback to an earlier thing. It's, it's, 
I wonder if, I mean, it's just because there's so many great wrestlers involved that this is working, honestly. Otherwise, WWE would have to find some way to have messed this up by now. But I think with it being AJ, Orton, and those two having a little bit more creative control and Riddle being so good, this has been a lot, a lot of fun to watch. And definitely the best thing on the show. That, that pretty much goes out without saying at this point. But, uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, no New Day, right? We didn't get no New Day appearance on this show. Well, Kofi's been out. I don't know if he's injured, but Xavier had a match against The Miz. But that's it. And he showed up and squirted them water at SummerSlam. That was it. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did talk about that match. Never mind. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I don't know where Kofi is. Kofi's been out for a month now, seems. Yeah, maybe he's just taking some much-needed time off. Who knows? Uh, I did like... We forgot to talk about this during SummerSlam. I'm not going to bring up the whole thing, but um, for the Xavier Woods spot, him dressed as Scott Hall, <laughs> cosplaying as Scott Hall, was pretty fucking great. Did you notice or care? Oh, I did. I loved it. He even said Chico during the whole thing. Yeah, it, it was pretty great. I love, I love in retrospect... The fact that Damian Priest is a huge, he was a huge Razor fan, loved Razor Ramon, and Razor Ramon was trying to be basically um, Scarface, if you will, Chico. So he was pretending to be Hispanic, and now we actually have someone that was influenced him kind of doing that, and he's not fake. I don't know how the WWE got away with, hey, here's this white guy that we're going to make Hispanic. Here's a Samoan dude that we're going to make Japanese. Here's... Uh, Chief J Strombo, who's actually Italian, you know, I, I, that, that would never fly today. Well, no, it would never fly, but it's also the, it was the cartoon world of WWF during that time period, which we talked about earlier with everyone having weird occupant, like when you have a fucking clown as a wrestler and repo man and, um, the goon, etc. you know, it's it's almost more of a comic book based world as far as who's playing what characters. But yeah, no, that shit would definitely not go over today. No, no. And I, I will say Doink was a great heel at the beginning. They should have never made him go babyface. When he was sinister and creepy, me as a kid, I was scared shitless of him. And then they get made dink and all the other fucking stupid shit and he I feel like he went against uh, Jerry the King Lawler for a whole entire year. Yeah, I mean, they saddled Matthew Bourne with a very shitty gimmick, and he was able to do a really good job of making... Underrated, guys. Very shitty. Underrated very, wrestler. Very underrated, especially the early run of, of Doink, as you were saying. The Whoopi Cushion, also a great finisher, and a great name for a finisher if you're a fucking clown. I agree. <clears throat> All right, so let's talk a little bit about NXT, go over some of the highlights. Um, it's just weird, these next three episodes... I've already been filmed, so we got two more, and then we're going to go and flip in a different direction. So I liked it opening with Ted DiBiase and Cameron Grimes. I like their relationship, and then I like how Grimes, uh, you know, they, they have this segment where he walks him to his limo, and he's saying goodbye to him and thanking him for everything. <clears throat> Sorry. And uh, says, Ted, this belongs to you. You know, this is really your championship. I don't think I need it. I think I need another belt sort of thing. And Ted's like, all right, Cameron. And he grabs the belt back. And he's, you know, he's, he's driving his car. He's in the, uh, I should say, the, um, the seat of his car. 
about to drive off, and he goes, Cameron, you know what? This belt, I think it, it just belongs to you. And he gives it what seems to be the belt back, and then Cameron's like, thanks, Ted. You know, I really appreciate it. And then he's like, wait a minute. This is a toy replica of the million-dollar belt. And he goes, yeah, the real one's mine. <laughs> and takes off. Great ending. So let's get Cameron Grimes in a new direction, build him up as a baby face. I do see the audience loves Cameron Grimes. So if you can get that behind him, you know, now we're, we're done with, with the L.A. Knight thing. We've built him. Ted screwed him over, still in the end, so he's still showing that heel, you know, Ted DiBiase thing, which was awesome. And he's not going to just fucking have that title. Like, it, it was just there more as a statement than anything. So we finished that story. We're going on. And I just like this. I, I, I thought that was hilarious at the end, Chris. Yep. Really good shit from Cameron Grimes and Ted DiBiase. Like the storyline. I also like that we don't have a title that doesn't mean anything. So we don't have to worry about if he's going to defend that title consistently like we have to do with the FTW title in AEW. That is one thing I do not like about the FTW title. So taking away the million-dollar belt, making it kind of this joke, it does allow him to move on to greener pastures, and he is easily the most over-baby face they have on the show, Cameron Grimes. So there's a ton they can do with that guy. Hell, he could even, if if they want to give him a couple wins, he could be the next guy that Joe faces if, if they want to go that route. It's definitely a good underneath baby face. Do you think Joe's going to be somewhat of a transitional champion? Like, I, I don't even know if he, he would want to hold on to that for too long. Yeah, I think to, I think to some extent, who I mean, who's there that could beat him, like Dragunov or Valter, if they're not going to be full in on NXT UK? Uh, I don't know. It, I, I, mean, I, I would assume it's got to be a heel. So, I mean, that kind of leaves Gargano... I mean, is but Samoa Joe is not a babyface, really. Yeah, you easily, but you can easily pull of. the switch on Joe being a fucking heel. I mean, they did that with Finn Balor. See, I think of Joe as more of like you're kind of like an Austin. Like he does heelish, aggressive shit, but he's still technically a babyface. He's or at least this version of him, not the one in the past. But uh, I don't know. I could be wrong. He can go full heel. I don't really care. You know, whatever works. Yeah, like if he starts getting really annoyed with Cameron Grimes, I think that's probably the match you need at the top of your show. It'd be good promos and funny stuff you could do with both of those guys to keep Cameron Grimes fresh and also give him a big match. Otherwise, it's Gargano, right? If Adam Cole's truly gone, Gargano's the only person I see there, unless you get Ridge Holland up to speed really quickly. Or make Ciampa a heel. Or yeah, make Champa heal again. But those are those are kind of your options with the roster they have currently. Hmm, it'll be interesting. I mean, people came out tonight. You had LA Knight, who I thought had no reason to be there. Um, who who else was the people that 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 the the first person? It was kind of like last night on SmackDown when Bianca Belair came out. Like that's the person. All these other people don't really deserve it. I felt the same way when Pete Dunne came out. I'm like, I want to see Pete Dunne go against Samoa Joe. And then you had LA Knight come out and a couple other people. And I'm like, nah, oh, Kyle O'Reilly. No, I don't want to see fuck. It would be a good match, but I have no, nothing of wanting to see Kyle O'Reilly go against Samoa Joe. If you're giving me those three competitors, LA Knight, he should murder on a fucking NXT show. Um, 
Kyle maybe for a match in the future, but Pete Dunne seems like a really good feud for Samoa Joe to sink his teeth into. And they've been having these stare-downs before he was even cleared. Yeah, I mean, that that's where I would think they would go first. I was more talking about your your next big takeover, who is going to be yeah. the opponent. Because I'm assuming that Joe's probably just going to go through all three of those guys and then go from there. Because, you know, Samoa Joe will fight everybody. Joe's going to kill you, Dane. I love how Ciampa just ran out to beat up Pete Dunne for what happened with uh, Timothy Thatcher when he got destroyed by Ridge Holland uh, in the first match. So Ciampa wasn't even out there for the fucking NXT belt. He just wanted to kill Pete Dunne. So they're, they're, they're definitely doing something with Dunne and uh, Ciampa before. But I think that's the match that's going to happen eventually. It will be Pete Dunne and uh, Samoa Joe uh, here in the future. Um, pretty much I'm trying to think of like other big stuff. You know, we had Caden uh, Carter and Casey Conazaro getting a big win um, over uh, J.C. Jane and Gigi Dolan. And their whole thing is that they've lost, I think, their last two matches. But Mandy Rose wants to make like a trio, I guess, with with them. And uh, unfortunately, it looks like Mandy got injured uh, during that, during the next episode that they filmed. So I don't know exactly if she'll just, what what exactly she injured. I hope she gets, you know, back back to everything and, and healed up very soon. But even if she wants to be, maybe if, she, like I said, if it's not leg related, it was something like one of her limbs got fucked up and something, but she can still escort these two ladies and kind of help out, you know, build their dynamic a bit and represent them. Um, we had, uh, we had fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Frankie Monet kind of getting in um, the face of Raquel Gonzalez. So that's interesting. Kaylee Ray, also another person, um, you know, kind of made her her presence known. And she won her first match on there going against Valentina Faraz. Um, who would you want to see bef- uh, first go against Raquel? Frankie Monet or Kaylee Ray? I'm going to say Frankie Monet, even though I don't think that would be the better of the matches. I just am more invested in that character. I think that she's been a lot of fun since she showed up on NXT and be a good little feud. So I'll, I'm going to go with that answer. I like it. I, I, I agree with you. I think Kaylee is a great in-ring wrestler, but there's something about Taya Valkyrie. She's just got so much charisma. Um and they're about the same size, too, so it'll just be interesting. They're both powerhouses. I'm just wondering when they're going to fucking bring up Taya and probably put her with John Morrison, because they're so good together as a unit. Um, uh, well, I mean, it, it depends on where they go with this Miz storyline, but they very much could do that if they wanted to. Maris And Miz uh, versus Frankie Monet and John Morrison. Okay, I like that. Um, what I did not like... This is no offense to Carmelo Hayes. Odyssey Jones should have won that fucking match. He had charisma. I loved his promos. He was big, but he could fucking move. I loved the little, uh, you know, tribute, if you will, to Mark Henry for the Nation of Domination singlet that he wore. And Carmelo just seems like he is very similar to a lot of the guys in there. I'm just going to be honest with you. I just didn't. It was like, okay, I mean, they both they both have the contract and everything. He gets a title shot that he gets to pick. I don't know why the fuck you'd pick anything besides the world title, but maybe you're scared to go against Samoa Joe. 
but I just was very underwhelmed. And it wasn't really believable to me that Carmelo Hayes beat Odyssey Jones. I had Jones going through the whole entire thing, and he lost in the finals against a very tiny, tiny gentleman that I think would get lost in the shuffle with some of the other wrestlers that are on the product. Am I being a dick, Chris? No, I mean, Odyssey Jones, I think, should have won this match i think he has the most potential to be a big star he can fill that role of what kind of what keith lee was before he left nxt if you wanted him to i would have probably had him win here but uh i'm also still pissed off about this tournament because they took my boy ikeman zero out in the first round (laughs) so (laughs) who was who is my easily my favorite person in the tournament yeah uh but yeah odyssey jones i think has huge potential and um Kind of gives me if they want to go. It depends on what they want to do with the guy, but uh, there's a lot of different ways they can get him to where he needs to be. He's been a lot of fun to watch. So I'm on the same page as you. I Carmelo Hayes is he hasn't developed enough of a character yet for me to really give a good judgment. Just coming out of this breakup breakout tournament. Um, it's it, was this like the 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 Triple H decision before the Vince mandate because you would think that out of what Vince has been saying about what he wants to do with NXT he would want Odyssey Jones to go over you know what I'm saying like I I don't know very fucking weird yeah I mean unless they're gonna repackage Odyssey Jones as a heel and have him kind of do like a Mark Henry type thing um, and maybe that's why they didn't want him to go over in the tournament but uh. I don't know. Both of these guys, this was a really fun match. You know, I think this tournament has been really good. It's it's kind of not been the focus of NXT conversation simply because of everything else going on with NXT. Um, obviously, with Samoa Joe coming back, carrying Cross moving between the main roster and NXT, uh, Adam Cole's contract. This one we've kind of tossed to the side a little bit. But um, it's been, it was a pretty fun tournament overall. Um just surprised by who won it in the end, really. I think I was invested last year more because there was more stars I knew. I mean, because this is the thing that Shane Strickland came out of, Phantasma came out of, you know, a lot of people that have... And maybe that's the thing, is like, eventually they will become big names. I just... I don't know. I just saw Odyssey winning that. And he would lose, don't get me wrong, but if Odyssey wins, I do see him calling out Samoa Joe, and Samoa Joe could probably bring that guy to a great match... And, you know, he gets over even in a loss for the championship. You know, I just don't see it going the opposite way. But yeah, and I'm assuming that Carmelo is going to for whatever. If you get the choice to choose whichever title you want to challenge for, you challenge for the biggest and best title. But I have a feeling they're not going to go that route. I want the North American. Yeah, it'll end up being something like that. And maybe that might be another reason why they didn't give it to Odyssey Jones, because it wouldn't make any sense for him to go for the North American title, just size-wise. But, yeah, I don't know. It was fun. And uh, we got to see William Regal, so that's good. Yeah, I like that part where Gargano was bitching about the wedding to to Regal, and, you know, all of a sudden L.A. Knight comes in, he starts bitching, and he calls him buffoons and kicks him out of his office. I love William Regal. Uh, <laughs> Samoa Joe is supposed to be there keeping people from getting in William's office, but now he's the champ, so I don't know how that how that plays out. Not 100%. Um, 
All right, so cool thing. No, bad thing, cool thing. Bad thing. Boa against Zion Quinn, who got a upset roll-up on this guy in fucking one minute and 13. Um, I don't care about Boa's group. Her, him, Mei Ying, whatever. It's just fucking pointless at this point. But Malcolm Bivens uh, having uh, you know a training session with the Creed brothers. Not sure I know who the fuck they are with Roderick Strong. But Roderick is getting ready for a match with Kushida. That I am interested in. Kushida, Roderick Strong for the Cruiserweight title probably in the next week or two. That should be a good fucking match, Chris. Should be a great fucking match. Two incredible wrestlers. As everyone knows, I'm a huge Kushida mark. Uh, hopefully they give them 15 to 20 minutes. Let them really go. That would be That'd be incredible to watch. The other thing that was announced right after this segment is Champa versus Ridge Holland uh, for, yep. for for this week, which should be a also should be a damn good match, and we'll actually get to see Ridge Holland go against act. Let's call it actual competition. Yeah, um, it's just you gotta have Ridge Holland win here, I would think. So I'm mm-hmm. assuming there'll there'll be some fuckery. And the last thing on the show. Main event, Hit Row uh, against Legato del Fantasma, three-on-three. Three. My God, dude, let me just talk about how much I really like Top Dollar. That spot where he had all three of the motherfuckers, and he fucking powers, or I forgot what the hell it's called, puts them all over his shoulder backwards, was awesome. Um, he's a powerhouse. I really like him. I've always been a Shane Strickland fan. Uh, and I like I liked the ending, how they have this new female that's in the group to counter and apparently she's she's she was big on the indies. I don't know her. I think her name's Savannah. No, it's Electra Lopez. She comes in. Everyone's like, "What the hell?" She takes out, um, she takes out the uh, female member of uh, what you call it, uh, Hit Row, and then throws a pipe to Shane Strickland. He's like, "What the hell?" And it was all just like an aversion because then um, what you call it, uh, Phantasma comes, rolls up. Uh, Strickland, one, two, three. So this is going to add more towards their beef between the two. Um, I mean, I really just want it eventually to get down to me watching Santos Escobar against Isaiah Swerve Scott uh, for the North American title because I think they'll have an awesome match. I've seen them have matches in Lucha Underground uh, and in MLW, so I know they have chemistry clearly. Uh, So, yeah, uh, good stuff. What you what, what do you got to say about the ending, Chris? I love the match up until the finish. I hate schoolboy pins now in WWE. They just do it so much. Um, outside of that, yeah, I agree with you. I, this is the buildup for Swerve Scott versus. Uh, uh, oh fuck! Why am I forgetting his name now? Um, Santos Escobar. Hey, I dude, I go back and forth between their old names and their new names. Like you know. Like yeah, that, I mean. That's the that, I think that's the per, more of the problem, right? But uh, I mean that like you said, that'll be a very very good match. We've seen it in Lucha Underground. Should be a good match here. I like Top Dalla a lot. I think he is the biggest star. Yep. <laughs> in, in this feud. So um, hopefully they continue to do stuff with that guy. I I I could deal with him not being part of a tag team. Yeah. No, I agree. One thing I like that I found out about the group of Hit Row. Um, they were always going to do something, and, uh, but Shane Strickland came to them 
you know, he already established himself, obviously, as Isaiah Swerve Scott, and was like, oh, so you guys are actually, they're all rappers. They're actually all legitimate rappers. Well, um, Shane Strickland, for the longest time, Isaiah Swerve Scott, he is a producer and a rapper himself. So he literally produced their theme music, and all of them actually rap their parts. So they're actually all musicians in real life. So I think that that's kind of cool that they're like this label hit row, but they're actually all musicians as opposed to pretending that that's their occupation. Yeah, it is a much better take on what they've kind of done with these similar groups in the past, for sure. And hit row is a dope ass name because it could it could have multiple meanings like it could be because of their occupation like you said um, or because they're they're all rappers and producers it could also just mean that they murder everybody i like it yep Love and i uh game. i like the, i like their theme song too i've actually listened to it outside of uh the the show before on my uh my headphones if you will i appreciate rappers that rap you know that yeah, yeah, I think we're we're in the same boat when it comes to that. We'll get in we'll get into this a little later with Eddie Kingston's shirt on Rampage. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, uh, let's talk about um, Dynamite. Orange Cassidy, Matt Hardy. I thought they had a great match, but I felt bad for Matt because he got fucking split open uh, from Orange Cassidy doing a crossbody, and unfortunately. Matt wasn't in the right place, and he just nailed his head and busted him the fuck open. But, you know, and ended up winning. Uh, so I guess we're going to continue the rivalry, if you will, between the best friends, Orange Cassidy, and Matt Hardy's stable. But, you know, I will say, Matt, he does look he does look in pain a lot of times in matches. But this is a good match between both of them. I just feel it's like every fucking time he's got to get fucked up from something on accident within a match, especially if he's going against Sammy Guevara, which they have not been in the ring together since all that shit. But um, I like the match. I just felt bad for Matt because he got I don't know. Was it his lip that got split open? Chris is like, I don't even know where the hell he got split open, but he was bleeding everywhere. I mean, I thought he got his nose broken. That might have been it because I mean, what happened was he he moved over to get into the right spot. He was there kind of late, and I'm pretty sure he got hit with an elbow from Orange Oof. Cassidy. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I think the, in, the there was good intentions there. Matt Hardy's just had real shit luck the past two two years. Um, I will say the fans absolutely loved Orange Cassidy throwing the soft kicks and Matt going to leap. Which was yeah, that was spot. awesome. Or uh, or uh, Orange Cassidy getting the roll up win. I know that you're not a fan of roll up wins, but very creative, putting his hands in his pocket to lock it up even more. Yeah, it's um, and he was also countering a submission, so it wasn't just like Matt got distracted and got pinned. That's more of a problem. I also have to say, doing up. a Swanton bomb with your hands in your pocket has to be harder because I feel like your arms. Like, Jeff uses that to, like, kind of, you know, propel his body over. And he just did it just with his hands in his pocket, which was awesome. Yeah, he also does it so he doesn't accidentally fucking elbow anyone in the stomach when he lands if he accidentally squishes them. So there's that. Hey, man, I just want to let you know I'm I'm sorry for falling on your stomach with all my weight. I just don't know how to do a swan time bomb anymore. 
I love Jeff. I've talked about this before, but I got to meet him. He's a super fucking nice guy. Um, I would, I really, really at some point want to see the Hardy boys in AEW once his three-year contract is done. Hopefully they don't both retire before then. I have to agree with you, man. I got to get him and Darby in a match together. I just think it makes a lot of sense. Um, Chris Jericho. Uh, so now his new idea. I mean, is this another situation? Kind of like Roman Reigns saying, if I if I don't win this match against John Cena, I quit. Like, does this paint the future that Chris Jericho is going to beat MJF? And really, after this long feud, some of it I've liked, some of it I thought was meandering, uh, how does that help MJF in the end? Is this one of those situations? I'm not trying to be a dick to, to Chris, but just like how Orange Cassidy apparently got over by having the, lo- the, the last loss to Jericho. Oh, see, I'm torn because Jericho could just be done for a while. We've talked about that in the past. He's about to start touring with Fozzie. Um, I think the last match they had could have been a retirement match. I actually thought that was the stip. We we talked about it on the show. It turned out not to be. But, um, yeah, I mean, even if he leaves and he goes straight to um, – He's still going to be part of the show because it sounds like he would just go to commentary, right? That was part of the promo. And then, you know, if you want to bring him back or want to do a match, they could do something on that rock and wrestling cruise if they do another show like they did the previous year when they did the cruise. Maybe that's where he gets his win back from MJF and maybe becomes reinstated. Like he could, you could do some storyline there where it's like, well, it's not actually AEW. This is Chris Jericho's cruise. They could fight whoever the hell he wants if, if he wanted to break a stipulation. But the one thing that AEW's done a good job on is actually paying off their stipulations and storylines in a way that makes sense. Cody. Yeah, Cody is, is a good example of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say is, like, you know, Jericho just released a book. If he was retiring, you would think he would have just waited until afterwards to release the book and... But who knows? I mean, it's Jericho. He's always got something up his sleeve, some kind of plan... And I think if you go the route of MJF beating and retiring Chris Jericho, that sets up MJF versus Sammy Guevara, which I've talked about on previous shows. I feel like that's the next spot for MJF and then possibly down the road. What I think all AEW fans want to see is Punk versus MJF, right? So um, you got to get past Chris Jericho. And if that means retiring him, fine. Because if he beats him here, he won one out of four matches. Does that mean we're, we're going to get a fifth match? Does anyone want to see a fifth Jericho MJF match? Uh, so I actually don't have a problem if this is Chris retiring, because I think there's interesting ways to bring him back if necessary. I mean, really, all you have to do is have a super hot baby face, maybe a Daniel Bryan, at one point be like, the stipulation for my match is that you're going to take back the stipulations MJF with Jericho and with fucking Cody if I beat you. I mean, and then he beats him. Yeah. Or, I mean, you could just make it, you know, Jericho is retiring voluntarily if he beats MJF. And you could, like I see, like you just said, Daniel Bryan could be like, well, I came here to wrestle you, dude. Because we never really got the high caliber match in WWE that I wanted against you and there's tons of ways to get around this. So I, 
if, it, if it's me, I probably just have MJF beat Chris Jericho and let Jericho. He's still going to be part of commentary. He's still fucking Chris Jericho. You can still have him come out to Judas before he sits down at the commentating booth. So you can still have the fans get that moment with Jericho if they want it. And, uh, I mean, if anything, it's not like Jericho has been having the greatest matches of his career. No. It's more about the personality, the persona. And if, if he is clearly switching his focus just to commentating for a while, I don't necessarily know that's the worst thing. You could still be a mentor to Sammy Guevara. There's tons of other ways you can use Jericho besides having him have high-profile matches against MJF, who I think is the future biggest heel of this company and maybe even in the industry. I agree. All right, we had uh, this is for the uh, tag tournament, and we would see the ending of that obviously uh, last night. But Lucha Bros went against Varsity Blondes. Uh, the winner would go against Jurassic Express in the finals. This match, I have to say, because I'm usually complimenting him, Brian Pillman was a bit sloppy in this match. Um, now, finding out online that Basically, there was a super kick that he got from Pentagon, and Pentagon's known for being pretty stiff skis when it comes to wrestling, uh, that hit him so hard that he bit a huge chunk out of his tongue and had to get it stitched up afterwards and wasn't able to eat, like, solid foods for three days uh, due to it. Um, But there there was this one spot that obviously Pentagon was trying to do something. I don't know if they got lost in translation. And it just it just ended up being awkward. Like Pillman didn't go the direction he was supposed to go, so they kind of went around it pretty abruptly. Ray Phoenix, what is there to fucking say about him? Oh my god, that guy! The stuff that he can do. I I don't know. I I think that if you took floss and connected two buildings in New York City on like the fiftieth fucking floor, he could easily get across that bitch. Uh, he's just ridiculous. But a uh, fun tag match, and, uh, you know, of course, the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers attempted to sneak uh, attack, but the baby faces with Jurassic Express just cleared them out afterwards. So all of them getting together, that wouldn't work out too well on Friday. But, uh, yeah, I Lucha Bros, Varsity Blondes, I love that twice now CM Punk has said one of the guys he wants to work with is Brian Pillman. And I hope he takes that to heart. I'm sure he does. Uh, but I thought he was a bit sloppy in this match. What'd you think about this match, Chris? I liked the match a lot. It was sloppy in spots, but you are working the Lucha Brothers who call a lot of shit in the ring. They don't work out a lot of stuff. Um, there's probably a little bit of a language barrier there as well. And uh, Especially with was, Pentagon. Yeah, it was a really good match. And like you said, Bray Phoenix, he's fucking incredible. And he dialed it up to like 11 during this match. And I love that they're able to switch that off because I would say in Rampage, at Rampage during the match, Pentagon actually was the one who had some of the bigger, crazier spots throughout the match. I mean, you still got Phoenix running the ropes and doing his stick, but not as much as you did here. And that's what makes them such a a good tag team is they can switch those roles off when needed. And normally that's not the case. You usually have like one guy you really want the hot tag from, but with the Lucha brothers, it could be either or, right? They're just both so fucking great. And it's set up a really good match for rampage. I do want to say real quick, the uh, varsity blondes backstage promo with the lockers. I 
that's so fitting for what that tag team is. So I really liked that as well. And Pillman's killing it on the stick, man. Even if he only says like two lines, he's he nails it. His delivery is great. He's convincing. He, unlike certain executives, he actually comes off pretty fucking real. Yeah, and I, I think people, you know, when we say a match is a little sloppy, you got to remember that this tag team has not been together that long. No. And they're asking them to go out and be in, the like, one of the biggest matches on the show. Um, and with one of the, the, the probably more seasoned tag teams in the industry. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's going to take time, but I, I think they'll get there. And I really, if everything's okay with FTR, I would really love to see Varsity Blondes versus FTR, because I think that could be a long-running feud. Oh. It would, would help the Varsity Blondes get over and... Uh, FTR is kind of the perfect heels. If you if you don't want them to be immediately in the title picture because they have so many good tag teams, that is a great feud that you could build off of um, going forward to help them get up to speed because FTR, as everyone knows, is really fucking great in the ring. They can wrestle an older style. You don't have to worry about Varsity Blondes having to remember bazillion fucking spots in that kind of feud. <laughs> Whereas no, they, like if, they could literally be their rock and roll, you know? Yeah, that, that they can, they would control more of the high spots in, in that situation where if they're going against the Lucha Brothers or the, the Young Bucks, you, you're you going to have to remember a thousand spots. So yeah, I think it's just going to take them time. They'll get there. But I really like Brian Pillman. And I think Griff Garrison has kind of stepped out into his own a little bit as well. The addition of Julia Hart's been pretty fun. Uh yeah, they'd be a great, great foil for FTR once they get past uh, Pride and Powerful, who I think should be at the top of the fucking card anyways. Waste of a good goddamn tag team, if you ask me. Not because of them going against FTR, just because they haven't been... No, I think I, I think I think two of their best tag teams have been wasted in a fucking feud for the last year. Yep. Um, 100%. And also, let me say that, just like FTR, Varsity Blondes are definitely a tag team that I'd love to show up on fucking NWA. They have that kind of quality to them of an old-school type that would really fit in there. Give them some more reps and have them do some fun stuff on there if they wanted to. Yeah, agreed. You get, they'd get additional TV time or, or recorded time in front of a live audience to have some matches against some you know various different styles of tag teams. Um, FTR obviously is the one that comes to mind, at least in this company, just because of the style they work. And like I said, I think it gives you a chance for the varsity blondes not to have to remember 80,000 yep. spots within a match. Well, Corgan's already invited, uh, FTR said, talk to your boss. So that's a situation that could happen. But with, uh, I mean, it would, it would really be cool if we got like Colby Carino against fucking Brian Pillman Jr. That'd be a fun match. Yeah, legacy wrestlers. That'd be fun. Steve Carino in the corner. Yep. Dick. <laughs> Being old school heel, Steve Carino. I love Steve Carino so much. You know? Um, all right, so Red Velvet went against Jamie Hayter. Um, <clears throat> I didn't think this was the... I don't remember, actually, Jamie's matches before. And now that she looks like a completely different person, uh, I just thought she was also a little bit sloppy in this match. But she did dominate, and due to some distractions from, you know, uh, DMD and Reba, 
which I think they're going to have to fucking slowly take that shit away because people are going to keep on cheering for Britt Baker. Um, but Jamie got the win over Red Velvet. I think that makes sense. They went to go beat the shit out of her. Chris Statlander came out and they had a little bit of a stare off. So what do you think about this match, Chris? I thought more of the sloppiness came from Red Velvet's side of how things went down. Like she missed a standing moonsault completely. And that's what led to the finish. Like she, oh, overshot, yeah, she, did. she overshot a fucking moonsault. Haters waiting for her to do something. She doesn't. So you end up with this weird situation where Hater just gets up, hits three moves and finishes. Her. <laughs> like, um, but keep in mind, I think everyone should keep this in mind. Velvet's not been at this that long once again. And it's that situation where a lot of these people, they're learning on the fly um, and on elevation and on dark, like in front of actual crowds and recorded TV matches. So there's going to be a bit of this. And uh, at the end of the day, it's not really setting up. It's moving on from red velvet to set up Statlander versus Britt Baker, which should be a really, really damn good match. Yeah. Uh, all right, so CM Punk, Dynamite debut. Him in the ring with Tony Schiavone. Um, Tony complimenting him so many times, you could tell that that Punk was like kind of taken back because he's not had a lot of interaction with Tony Schiavone. And obviously, like a lot of us, Tony was a person that called matches during his childhood. So I'm sure that was pretty cool to him. Love seeing him in random pictures on Twitter. One training with Malachi Black. Uh, with MMA at some MMA gym and another one with uh, Stephen Amell, him giving him a big kiss on the cheek. I uh, thought that was totes adorbs, but um, yeah, he made his uh, appearance uh, talking to Tony asked what brought him or Tony asked him what brought him back and punk credited the young stars in the locker room naming uh, besides Darby Allen, jungle boy, Brian Pillman jr. And Ray Phoenix, among others. Uh, he had been asking himself if he could still go he said that he's retiring the moniker Voice of the Voiceless because AEW has a voice. As the chance of yes filled the arena, saying this very slowly, Chris, if you can't tell, he reminded fans that that is another guy's shtick and told them that they might want to be a little bit patient. Fucking people erupted. Punk said it is less about proving doubters wrong and more about proving himself right. The, fire, or the fired up former WWE World Heavyweight Champion closed out the segment by greeting fans, friends, and family around ringside. So, obviously, good stuff. I have a little bit of criticism towards Punk in a way. Um, but the biggest thing out of this, I mean, this is just like the stuff setting up him. I don't, I, I don't think Tony's going to get mad at Punk because he's a huge Punk fan and was happy to get him after courting him for a whole fucking year but he basically revealed that yeah brian you know brian danielson's coming right i think that they probably prepared for the inevitability that people will start chaining yes at this point you know what i mean yep so i i don't think it's a big deal especially because they i mean they teased punk before he showed up as well like darby basically yep. made that best in the world thing so i mean for anything it's free I mean, this is kind of, I don't want to say free promotion because it's on their show, but it's just a good way to promote the future of the company and have people tune in week to week to see, oh shit, is Daniel Bryan going to show up or at the pay-per-view? 
you know, CM Punk said something about Daniel Bryan. Maybe he's going to show up at the pay-per-view. It kind of gives you a little bit of a tease without actually having to put it out online. So I'm sure Khan was completely fine with this. And uh, Punk has done a good job of tap dancing around the whole WWE situation without directly coming out and, and fucking burying it. You should tell Booker T that. <laughs> well, I mean, he could have just came out and cut a fucking pipe bomb on all of WWE if he really wanted to go that route. I mean, I'm sure a lawsuit would, would follow, but they obviously didn't. I'm just saying, did Booker T actually, like, hear the promo itself, or did he just, what, get, like, horrible footnotes from one of his lackeys? Like, Keep in mind that Booker T still works for WWE. To some extent, Vince could have asked him to do a favor. Booker T is going to be forever a WWE guy. It is kind of the pot calling the kettle black because he did the same thing in Impact. I was about to ask you, did he say the same type of shit in Impact? Because I heard he was worse. He uh, he buried the shit out of that company when he was in Impact. Uh, kind of after, well, not on his debut, but afterwards with some of the things that he said. And you got to remember the entire main event mafia were all ex-WWE guys. So there was a lot of shots fired at uh, WWE during that time period. So it is, like I said, the pot calling the kettle black a little bit. It's just fans keep in mind, Booker T probably has absolutely no problem with CM Punk. He works for WWE. Unless they had some kind of fucking weird, weird thing in the locker room that we're not aware of. I, I don't know that there's any real heat there. It's just he's just doing his job it's probably also very similar to that paul Heyman interview where he did not get asked about the paul Heyman guy cm punk <laughs> ryan satin seemed to bypass that altogether. i think you're going to see a lot of that the the interesting one is going to be john cena is coming up on the broken skull ranch I can't that was wait. announced and uh austin seems like he's able to get a, away with a lot more shit than other people or he just doesn't give a fuck, which is also plausible. I'm assuming he's going to have to ask ask some questions about... Because they're going to talk about John Cena's career, and that's one of the biggest moments of John Cena's career, is, is CM Punk. So it'll be fun to see how they handle that. But yeah, great Punk promo. He's still really good on the fucking mic. We'll see how he is in the ring. He's going against Darby, so... Darby's able to do enough crazy shit and just take an ass-whipping forever... But I think it should be a pretty good match. But that's the. Uh, I mean, he's a, if he's out there training with Alistair Black, it definitely means he's trying to get back in ring shape before the uh, pay per view. Do you think he called Joe and was like, "So how was the first match coming back?" Because you know, even though yours is shorter, but like, is everything all right? Because Joe, Joe's like Joe. Yeah, the, Joe didn't I'm fucking change at all. <laughs> Joe's like, I'm the fucking NXT champion. <laughs> that's how the first match coming back was. <laughs> So, all right, my question to you, Chris. Raj Geary brought this up from Wrestling Inc., head editor. Um, he just stated the bloom off the rose in the concept of CM Punk, I'm happy, I'm just happy to be here. How long can he act like this? I understand he's a babyface, but there's going to have to be something, not necessarily a heel turn, but a flipping personality of what we're used to with him. Because if he keeps on going this route, like, you know, I'm just happy to be back. Like, it's eventually going to wear itself thin, I would say. 
Punk, Punk's known for being aggressive. He's known for taking it to people, even if he's a babyface. You know, being fucking blunt. That's what got people into him. Well, I mean, that's where you bring in someone like an MJF, right? That's a good he point. Can, he can still be that, but he can still be the babyface that's happy to be there. But he can still cut people to shreds on promos. That's always what Punk was. Even when he was a babyface, he was still running down Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. He was running down the WWE. I mean, he made he's he is an Austin esque character. So even if he loves the fans and wants to praise them and stuff, he doesn't necessarily have to be a, start be a dick to the fans or be a dick to the company. There's plenty of other things he could turn his attention to. Like if he wanted to go after Miro, he could talk about like, if you're one of the guys I was talking about when I was cutting a pro, like, like there's tons of shit you can do with CM Punk and whatever you put in front of him, he's a good promo. The, the question mark is the fucking matches. The fans are going to be behind him regardless, but um, if he has like, if he comes out and has five stinkers of matches that will dissipate. And, um, you know, if you have Daniel Bryan showing up, that's the other route you could go is put them together, put them together and have them feud. Um, you have Cody who was turned into what, what was his fucking gimmick in WWE? Stardust. Yeah. Stardust. That's something you could do. You could go heal Cody. And then you could have, you know, him snap on the elite. And there, there's tons of places you can go with Punk. You know who's a, you know who's a big heel that's perfect for fucking Punk right now? Don Callis and Kenny Omega. He could shit Screw. all over the elite. Don Callis. He could talk about how they. He could be the AEW guy, much like Sting was the WCW guy. Like we've been saying, Cody should have been as soon as they started this gimmick. He could be the guy that is tired of these outsiders coming in and disrupting AEW matches. Like I, I get what the guy is trying to say, but I, I don't know that it we're ready to say that th- what CM Punk is doing currently isn't working. Give it like six months. Cause I think there's a ton of shit that he can do going forward. He's not going to be the happy go lucky baby face. It's just right now he's in a feud with Darby Allen. So do you really want him tearing down Darby Allen and Sting? who were super over and the answer to that is probably no so just wait till the next thing and then we can revisit the conversation but there's still a ton of shit that punk could do in a million situations you could put him in where he's still a baby face um and yeah because right now he's he's gonna have to be a baby face for at least a year before you even think about turning him to more of an aggressive paul Heyman type cm punk it's a good point. It's definitely a good point. I think, Chris, here is the number one person to put Punk against. Colt Cabana. <laughs> yeah, but Colt Cabana is like, you can't even, I mean, it is, it's good if you followed all that shit on the internet, but at the same time, it's like, did, does anyone want to see that match and do people? In no. AEW fans, do they even care about Colt Cabana? He's just a member of unless, the Dark Order. Unless Colt Cabana can put on his best acting and fucking beat the shit out of CM Punk, no, I, I don't think that I care at all. I, yeah. I wouldn't even care regardless. He's, he's not even the most over person in the Dark Order. So. Well, let's, let's speak about the Dark Order. They might be on the outs. Shit's going, uh, you know, b- bad. Uh, Evil Uno accidentally kind of lets slip. And I can't even remember the guy's name, but John Silver's partner that basically he's in John Silver's shadow. Uh, both of them apparently quit. 
And then, you know, we, we we had a segment end where he was looking back and forth between five and Alan Angels and his tag partner. So what is going on? There's two routes and neither one of them I really care for, especially the second one. Either they're going to use Adam Page comes and gets them all back together, which I would love for him to stay the fuck away from the Dark Order, honestly. Um, or John Silver, you know, is, is you know, getting uh, just the tag team and they're just going to do their own thing. And maybe John can kind of bounce from that and put that in his past. Or some part of me thinks that if the rumors are true that they signed Bray Wyatt that they're trying to turn these guys heel so Bray can come in and lead them. And if that happens, I'm not going to be happy at all, Chris. Would it make it better if Bray came in with Rowan and Braun and they cleaned up the Dark Order, cleared out the trash, got rid of some of the more funny-type characters to make that group so, a actual so basic, group? So basically everyone besides five... Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Evil Uno could switch back to being more of just a, what that character originally was. I mean, there's there's ways to do it. I don't like that idea either. Um, you could just break up the group and it never be spoken of again. That's that's the other option. Well, all good all good things come to an end. Yep, especially when they start getting annoying. Yeah, well, I, and I, I, I don't see them putting Hangman Adam Page back with them just because they have, like, Daniel Bryan's coming in, you have CM Punk there, you have Bray coming in, um, Malachi Black is already there. They need, they need their AEW guy, who is, to me, one of their biggest baby faces, for some of these people to go against. Otherwise, it is going to start looking very much like a WWF show if they're just putting these guys over all the time. And Hangman Page is one of the guys that I think that you could have good matches with and uh, make some meaningful storylines. So having him at all associated with the Dark Order is not not a good thing. Yep. All right. So we had a trios match. We had uh, John Moxley, Darby Allen, and Eddie Kingston going against the Wingmen. Cesar Bernoni, Ryan Nemeth, and J.D. Drake. My lord, Cesar Bernoni looks like a giant Neanderthal. Um. <laughs> That's not it. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I like J.D. Drake's uh, Big Bubba Rogers look. I actually thought that was really cool that he dressed like that. He is so out of place in this group and should just be by himself, honestly. You know, like I said, I just have, I've liked this guy since seeing him in Evolve, and I've seen him evolve since then. See what I did there? Um, and I just putting him with three wannabe pretty boys. I mean, he, you know, Dolph Ziggler's little brother, Caesar Benoni, the giant Neanderthal, please don't kill me, and um, Peter Avalon, pretty Peter Avalon. Eh, whatever. I mean, this was just the baby face being able to destroy these guys. Um and uh, Alan got a stunner on J.D. Drake, his over-the-head stunner, and did the coffin drop. Afterwards, Daniel Garcia attacked Alan before stuff was resolved and broken up by the baby faces. So, yeah, you know, it was, it was a fine tag match. Uh, I liked uh, Sting getting Peter Avalon's face, but that was pretty fucking funny. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know why J.D. JD Drake is in this group. He does not look 
like any all, all three of the other guys kind of look similar. I'll give them that. Different sizes, but they look like they belong. J.D. Drake does not. He's a big fucking burly dude who looks like, you know, he's from the South. He could be a fucking, you know, plumber or something like that. Like, why the hell would he hang out with the pretty boys? Chris. Man, I don't, I don't have a good answer for you. I will say that I liked this match for the most part, but if you know that Darby yeah, Allen is going to be in a fucking match with CM Punk and that's going to be the big selling point of your main event, don't have him get beat up by Daniel Garcia after the match. I thought that was stupid, and I think that he should have been maybe highlighted a little bit more in this match, even though it was Moxley in Kingston. Um, in fact, Mo- I would say Moxley kind of came out looking the strongest of everyone in this match. Um, and Kingston keeps up his streak of only wearing DMX shirts <laughs> since the passing of DMX. It's awesome. <laughs> Including on Rampage. It was great. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I probably would have done more with Darby in this match, and I definitely wouldn't have had some fucking geek beat, beat him up afterwards. Yep. Um, all right. So next thing we had Christian Cage uh, come out and confront Kenny Omega. AW champion Kenny Omega with Don Callis, Michael Nakazawa, and Brandon Cutler made their way to the ring. Before they could even get into their promo, Impact World Champion Christian arrived. Verbal back and forth uh, gave way to Cage, saying he wasn't sure what was worse. Callis taking advantage of a 10-year-old Cage or 37-year-old Omega letting it happen again. Callis countered by saying Cage will be in a familiar position at All Out, second best. And then a beatdown of Christian uh, ended the scenario with Frankie Kazarian hitting the ring. This would set up the tag match that was last night. Uh, I thought this was good. They also showed a video of when Cage worked at Callis's promotion. And he claimed, not confirmed, and I don't think this is real, that Callis fired him on one of the shows that they did and brought in Kenny Omega as a 10-year-old prodigy to replace him. So they're trying to throw that in there. I thought that was kind of stupid, honestly, Chris. But uh, still looking forward to Christian and Kenny. I don't know. There is part of me that thinks that some on impact on something, Christian will be taken out and Adam Page will be put in. But I could be just hoping for nothing. I just feel like this is not the biggest championship match you could be putting on your fucking pay-per-view. Don Callis is so fucking great in this. When he starts taking off the coat because he's so pissed and his scar, he's like, hold my scarf. <laughs> um, I love how he, uh, Christian's gotten over a carny piece of shit as a chant now. <laughs> I'm sure Tony's really thrilled about that. <laughs> I mean, I think this is this is great. Um, the, the video thing, I get why it makes sense in in the storyline. There's apparently a longer version. I don't know if you've went and watched this. It's on the internet. It's like a minute and 30. And they cut this down to like 12 seconds or some shit. So it didn't make as much sense on the show as the original video does. So maybe go watch that. But I I don't think it was necessarily needed here for the story they're telling, which is Don Callis and, and is a carny piece of shit. You could just call him a carny piece of shit. And, He'd probably, it probably still got over the same way. I thought this was a fun segment. I enjoyed their match that we'll get to here in a bit. And um, yeah, I don't think it's the biggest, biggest championship match you could have, but it's not going to be, it's not going to matter anyways. That you didn't put yourself in a situation where that needs to be the biggest match because you brought Punk back. So the biggest match is Punk versus Darby. 
like mo- a lot of stuff on that show. I'm sure there's going to be some really good matches on that show, but ev- when everyone thinks of the main event of that show, it's Darby versus CM Punk. All right, the next match kind of, I don't want to say proves my point, but pretty much everyone in this besides Big Show. Um, well, before we get into this shit, do you want to talk about the Moxley promo? I forgot about the Moxley promo. Yeah. Um, if you have any type of transcripts or anything like that, definitely bring that up. I, I completely, I don't have it on my thing. So he basically sent, he Moxley came out and he said he sent a bunch of blank contracts to New Japan for people that could fight him. And the only person that responded was Satoshi Kojima, legend himself. Um, and then Moxley basically was insulted that Kojima feels like he can go toe-to-toe with him. And uh, once once the bell rings, it doesn't matter that he's a legend. He has no respect for anyone. And at All Out, it'll be public execution of Satoshi Kojima. I think it's great we're going to get to see Satoshi Kojima of uh, All Japan and New Japan Wrestling fame, former IWGP champion. It's not the match I think everyone was looking forward to, but it is a very interesting one and should be a good brawl. So I just wanted to make sure we, we kept it that way. No, and all right, this is going to sound like I don't like Kojima. I do. Uh, him showing up on Impact recently was fucking awesome. I've seen him live wrestle. He's a legend. He's the only guy that's held the fucking Triple Crown All Japan Championship at the same time as the IWGP Championship. The two biggest titles to the two biggest organizations in Japan when they both were still, you know, well, at least with All Japan relevant obviously new japan has been throughout that whole entire duration but he was one of the guys that kind of helped rebuild new japan going into you know your shinsuke nakamura's your your uh, shibata's your tanahashi's taken over and finally making it popular again he kind of helped do that so after i said all that ni- nice positive thing yeah that's not the match i want honestly there is a guy that just came over here that's going to be at a GCW fucking show going against Homicide named Minoru Suzuki that has a past that's going to be here for a while, apparently, that has a past with John Moxley. If this is all out and the Tanahashi thing falls through, I would have gone and pivoted there and not Kojima. Sorry, that might, I'm sure they'll have a fun match, but that doesn't really do it for me, bro. Yeah, but Suzuki yeah. could still be down the line. I feel like yeah, they're but, building but up it, to if, Tanahashi. If, if we're going to get Suzuki down the line, you think that they'd want to do that over Kojima at All Out. All Out is their WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, unless they don't look at All Out as any different than any of their other pay-per-views. No, you know, maybe. I thought All Out and Double or Nothing were their, like, WrestleMania and SummerSlam. That's what I've kind of always, you know, considered them. But you could be right. I don't know. I just think that Kojima is a little bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. I would have put him against someone else inside the fucking company if, if you can't get Tanahashi. Like, there's plenty of wrestlers in AEW that could have an awesome match with fucking Moxley. I don't know. I like Kojima. I really do. I think he's fucking awesome. He's a legend. He's also, if we're going to get someone that's a little bit older in age... Suzuki's a hell of a lot better of a person to fucking go towards. Well, I mean, well, I mean we, you could still have Suzuki at the pay-per-view, too. I mean, maybe. You could, have, you could have Moxley kick Kojima's ass, and and then you get Suzuki show up. 
and then that sets up something in the very new future near future because maybe they don't maybe they do uh like a special if they're going to do that special halloween show maybe you set up something there um where it's going to be on tv or i think there's a bunch of different ways to handle okay it. i wasn't super disappointed in it i agree with you i'd much rather see suzuki but it's uh it's not something that it kills it for me i think it'll be a very fun match it'll be it'll It'll be interesting to watch uh, uh, Fujima versus Moxley. I, I don't know what the hell that match is going to look like, but I'm assuming it's going to be a brawl of sorts. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, now, and what I was going to say, okay. So with, and this has been, you know, something that you've kind of hinted at, and I get the whole entire concern, and a lot of people have said this online, you know, Bray Wyatt coming in, possibly with Adam Cole, Ric Flair even, you know, Huge names. Adam Cole probably the smallest out of all of them. But, you know, where the fuck are you going to find the room for them? This next match with the gun club in the factory, uh, besides Paul White, why the fuck are any of these guys, or maybe maybe uh, Billy Gunn, since he looks incredible still, on, taking up time on Dynamite? Like, you just couldn't have a promo with Paul White and QT Marshall, or not even have that fucking match, because no one gives a shit about it. Um... I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Like, I don't know that anyone cared about this match. Also, this is the most WWE shit they did on this show. You had a distraction finish from the announce booth with a roll-up pin. These are the kind of roll-ups I hate, yep. <laughs> by the way. And, uh, and also, I will say Nick Camarado, I think, has a lot of potential. But he should be a solo guy destroying people by himself, not with all the agogos and the... What's the guy that was in Britain, the boxer? Where the fuck did he go? Not that I really I, care, but I'm just saying. I don't know. He's probably on Elevation, which I don't watch or something. I I, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that this is the end of QT Marshall because Big Show is going to demolish that guy. Like, there's yeah, but... no world where QT is going to win that match. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. All right, last match. <laughs> Malachi Black, Brock Anderson. Did anyone see this going any other way? Uh, Brock came out, might have gotten a little bit on Malachi at the beginning, but it was a lot of him just destroying him, playing with his food, kicks him in the face, goes to the ground. Arn Anderson comes in, tries to protect his son, uh, even gets in, you know, fight mode. Arn Anderson, like, let's fucking go. Malachi distracts him, kicks him in the face. Both are laid out. Cody's not there. And that's how we go off. Um, man, you know, we are saying that CM Punk's a huge name, so it definitely is overshadowing Malachi coming in to AEW. I will agree with you on that. But they're still pushing the fuck out of him. And he was in the main event this night. He took out Arn's son. He destroyed Cody. Cody hasn't even come back to even save his mentor and fucked up Arn Anderson again. And I love that Arn was ready to fight. That was awesome. He wasn't a, he wasn't intimidated. He was like, let's go, motherfucker. And then he got kicked in the face. But uh, I don't know if I'd end the show with this, honestly. But because I was like, oh, this is the end. Oh, okay, gotcha. The shit went by really fast. That's a good thing. You know what I don't say that about? Monday Night Raw. Um, but how'd you like this match? And how do you like how Malachi Black's looking? Uh, it was great for a squash match. It was pretty much the absolute demolishment of Brock Brock Anderson but that's where he's at right now I mean he's still a young guy this is what his second match yeah 
So we we all knew it was going to go this way. The one thing that I liked about this was the promo beforehand where he gave him an out. He's like, just take the count out loss and apologize to me and I won't absolutely kill you and your family and Cody. So they're keeping yeah. Cody relevant to the storyline. That was awesome. I forgot about that. <laughs> so I liked this. I liked this segment. It was a weird thing to have as the main event. Um, and it also was the lowest rated segment on the show per Alvarez, apparently. Uh, but I don't think that's because of Malachi Black. I think it's just because people knew it was going to be a squash. Um, so it, and it's also the last thing on the show, which is how wrestling seems to go nowadays. Uh, but I love the promo. Makes Malachi look strong. Does he have a match at the pay-per-view? Is that match Cody? Are they going to announce that like midway through the show and give us that match? I guess oh, yeah. a couple of weeks, right? Cody's going to show up at one of these and beat the hell out of him, and he's going to he's going to evade. But then they're going to announce that's going to be the match at. Yeah, that's definitely happening. I think. Yeah, it should be a really fun match. Um, hopefully, this time Cody gets a little more offense. But I'm I love I love still going to win. <laughs> I love Malachi's explanation for the face paint. I don't know if you heard this. I think he was on. If it wasn't Jericho's podcast, it might have been um, Renee's podcast. But to him, and it was kind of something I suggested for Finn a while ago. Like I said, Finn likes to face paint, but it's a lot. But I think he should use it. This one, he was in WWE, actually, before this new run, before NXT, him coming back and getting the championship. I think if he wants to do the makeup, why isn't at the start of the feud where it gets really serious, it's just like his eye, like, you know, a contact. And then the paint kind of goes around the face and more and more it grows towards the feud. And then he comes out as the full demon makeup. That's what Malachi is actually doing with this. It's a little bit of a tip to the great Muda for, because that was one of his favorite wrestlers. But I like this because I have not seen him as a heel. You know, they, they did it, I guess, in WWE, but they never went anywhere with it. But him kind of embracing it. You know, I've heard JR say it. It's it's like I still get Undertaker vibes, but I'm getting a lot of Jake Roberts vibes, like the sinisterness and the evilness. And I think that face paint concept that he's saying is like it's like an infection that's slowly engulfing him and turning him into Malachi Black from Tommy End. Like they're two different people almost like this is the evil side of him. That's very creative, really fucking intelligent and thinking way outside the box, I think, Chris. Yeah, and if this was WWE, my only worry would be that Bray shows up and that's immediately where they go. But since it's not WWE, <laughs> I'm excited to see how it plays out. I think it's a very, very cool. I did not hear that, but that's that's a pretty neat idea for sure. Yeah, almost like the T-virus in Resident Evil or, or a Sibniot in Marvel, like, you know, slowly taking you over and, and making you this evil man. But, uh... Yeah, Malachi, he's got, I think he's in the right place right now. Well, he's a hell of a lot more entertaining right now than he has been in the past two years. So that, that Since he was in NXT. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, taking time away from people's careers. Thank you, WWE. All right, let's talk about SmackDown, man. Uh, Bianca, or Becky Lynch came out, didn't show any type of heel persona didn't apologize for what she did and she was talking about you know this being the land of opportunity and of course people start coming out 
trying to claim that they should be the next up in line to take that championship belt away from Becky. First person out is the person that's going to be, obviously, Bianca Belair. She's pissed. Um, Shortly after her, we have, who's now seemingly Stooges, Carmella and Zelina Vega, and then Liv Morgan, who I'm glad that they kept in the mix. Um, So, you know, instead of, like, acknowledging any of them, Becky was like, nah, and then just walked the fuck off. And Bianca Belair ended up going against Liv Morgan. Um, They had a really good match. I think Liv has gotten better in the ring. I'm glad that they keep on having her at least be a part of the conversation. I would just pull the plug. She's a good fucking wrestler. She's been loyal to your company for many years. She gets her character now, I think, more so than ever. She's had her friends fired around her. You know, it's like actually do something. She had a good match with Bianca. She lost, but I hope she's still, if she's not going to be in the title picture in SmackDown, send over to Raw and maybe in the title picture for that one. But um, I thought this was a good match between Bianca and Liv Morgan. What do you think, Chris? I mean, if you're going Becky versus Bianca, Bianca should have beat her in like a minute, just like she got beat at the pay-per-view. That would be my only complaint. But I agree with you on Liv. I think she's gotten a lot better in the ring, and um, that is someone down the line you should do something with. Uh, it, the, the, the Becky promo was weird because it had very much had shades of the CM Punk promo thrown on top of it and i don't know if they did that on purpose to piss people off and then they they have her acting like a heel currently so i'm glad becky's back don't know that i'm extremely fond of what they're currently doing with her all right the other matches that we'll talk about real quick before we get to the what i would consider the main event uh cesaro defeated chad gable this is actually a really good match but it was a dq finish Go figure. Uh, Otis got involved. But, I mean, seeing Cesaro and Chad Gable in the ring, obviously, is going to be good. Uh, Baron Corbin tried to buy Biggie's uh, Money in the Bank contract. We talked about this. Offered him up to, it went from $10,000 to $100,000. And Biggie still shot him down. And now Corbin is happy Corbin. And he's like, yo, I understand, man. I don't know. It rem- he reminds me of... This Rick and Morty episode where where Morty and Rick both get like the negative side of themselves ripped out of them. And Morty's such like a, yeah, dude, of course, do what you got to do, man. Get your life together. Like that's what he's coming off as, which is fucking annoying. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs defeated the Dirty Dogs. And Sami Zayn went against Dominic Mysterio. Had a pr- brought him to a pretty good match, beat him with a hell of a kick. And Rey Mysterio was trying to consult his son, but Dominic was not hearing any of it, Chris. Some interesting things. I like seeing Sami Zayn get a win, even though it is just to set up a feud with Rey and Dominic. So that was a it was a pretty good match. Sami Zayn's just fucking great. Uh, good seeing the Dirty Dogs back to some extent, even though they took a loss here. Uh, Rick Boogs and Nakamura super over. And uh, what was the, uh, there was one other match, and I'm trying to remember what the hell it was now. Cesaro uh, uh, defeating Chad Gable because Otis jumped in and interrupted a really good match. Yeah, I, I also, I, I think in my notes I, I had written as a good match, and then fuck finish. So. And then Happy Corbin trying to buy that, uh, that, that briefcase and understanding that Big E, 
he needs it, blah, blah, blah. When's, when's this going to go where all of a sudden Corbin just becomes a dick again? Probably like, next week. Because they're killing they're his killing character. They're killing, they don't want him to be over at all, so I'm assuming he's just going to show up and be a dick. The storyline is that he won all the money back in Vegas. Yep. Um, there were little videos on Twitter actually of him like progressing throughout it. It was they're pretty funny if you watch them. But then it was like, oh, you got your money back now though. Fuck. Well, that and then they made him look like a geek when he tried to buy this briefcase. So, yeah. So they're gonna have a family celebration. It was gonna end the show. Paul Heyman before Roman even got to the arena, uh, you know, was interview but he basically told Kayla to fuck off he wasn't going inside the locker room like he would only stay outside of it and then when Roman got there he was kind of taken back by it he was like what are you doing he's like oh just you know waiting on you the the thing they were trying to convey and this would happen right before they went out when he was trying to give the championship back to Roman and Roman said are you not coming out with us and he said well I just thought this was a family affair and he's like dude you're family like, what are you talking about? Come out with us. Roman's not worried, I don't think. Maybe there's going to be more to this, which would be cool. He's not worried about getting screwed over from Paul with this whole Brock Lesnar thing. But Paul's worried that Roman is wor- is worried about that. So I like that approach. I like them coming out to the ring, uh, you know, showing off all their titles. And then Finn Balor's like, hey, motherfucker, you know that if John Cena didn't run in and do all that bullshit or Corbin didn't come in and John Cena didn't steal the, you know, I would have had that match with you at SummerSlam. Like, I was going to call you out Extreme Rules, but basically, if you're not a pussy, why don't we go out and do it next week? And this would have the three Samoans jump on top of Finn Balor, who just punched Roman right in the face. Kind of stupid. Enter the Street Profits, now setting up them to go against the Usos, which I'm really happy about, uh, coming out. And then Roman leaves his cousins while they're getting obliterated. Him and fucking Paul are like, fuck this. They go up the ramp, and they both get destroyed. And then, you know, the shotgun dropkick in the corner, followed up by Coup de Gras on Jey Uso. And, you know, Roman's pissed. Finn's standing tall. It looks like the next pay-per-view... It's going to be him and Finn at Extreme Rules and then him and Brock at the Saudi Arabia show. So he's got some great opponents to go through, man. See, I I took the Paul Heyman stuff a little differently than you did. I thought that he was trying to, as soon as he saw Brock Lesnar, talk to Brock Lesnar. Like, Paul is afraid of Lesnar because he knows that Lesnar is a monster. He's also afraid of Roman. He's kind of torn in between. Um, I do like the way Roman played it off. Like Roman is uh, pretty much thinking he's untouchable. The one thing about Paul is he's never screwed anyone over in a Lesnar match because he's never thought he had to, at least since the modern run. I mean, you could go back to like Rock versus Lesnar and be like, well, he was very involved in that and trying to run distraction finishes and shit. But that was those those, those were ages ago. Um, so it is it is interesting, and I think that is the biggest piece of the storyline between as we alluded to earlier Brock and, and Roman that being said Roman versus Finn Balor that should be one hell of a match and uh, I don't know maybe Lesnar even gets involved in that and we get Finn versus Lesnar again either way it's not great for Finn because he's not going to win either of those <laughs> you know what I mean nope. Like, uh, but that's kind of where he's at in his role 
maybe they'll do a big swerve. Maybe he will win. Maybe he'll find a way to pull it off at Extreme Rules. If it's an Extreme Rules match, maybe that's where Brock shows up. He screws Roman over for the title, and Finn is a transitional champion. They could do something like that, and then he could drop it back at, uh, what, the Elimination Chamber? Or Survivor Series in November. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's tons of ways to get the belt back off Finn if you wanted to do a surprise. Uh, but either way, that should be a really fun match with Roman, and it'll be good to see Roman go against someone smaller, a little different style in the ring versus what we've seen his past few matches being... Um, I would say with maybe the exception of Daniel Bryan, right? Mm-hmm. The rest of his matches have been very slow and methodical. This will be, I would allude it more towards what Paul booked with, like I said, Lesnar and Balor, where Balor's got to get the advantage super early based on his speed, and then you get Roman destroying him. Should be good, man. I'm definitely happy to see Finn Balor back in the mix, even if I, there's a good chance he's probably going to get the L in the situation. But I like uh, the scenarios you're throwing out. we got one I'm, more show. I'm really excited just that the Street Profits are back as well. And yeah. we have a different Profits, team. <laughs> Profits and Usos? Are you kidding me? Don't Please don't make me hate that concept. They will. They'll have fucking matches, one-on-ones, and then... Tag matches without the titles on the line, building all the way to the next fucking pay-per-view. Yeah, at least we haven't seen it as many times as, you know, Ray and Dominic. So we, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they might do something interesting. And it'll be great to see the Street Profits back cutting promos, too. Uh, just yep. in the middle of the show and stuff. So I'm very excited. I'm actually more excited about that than I am Balor versus Roman. <laughs> yeah. Just because, I, like I said, I, I just... Unless you want to use Balor as a transitional champion, he's just there to be the next guy that Roman kills. All right, let's move on to the last show, Rampage. That happened last night at the uh, over in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, Four-man booth. That's a lot. And uh, to me, Mark Henry... Taz and Chris Jericho, they would make a great podcast that I'd laugh my ass off just between the three of them. I love how Jericho, who who totally isn't isn't offended by criticism, obviously, starts out the night yelling and then saying, yeah, that's right. I yelled that. I yell a lot. Okay, gotcha, Jericho. Mark Henry, I want to say, just starting off fucking hilarious on commentary. Whatever, (laughs) whatever happens, doesn't matter if, if Excalibur calls a move, and Mark Henry goes, oh, so that's what that move's called. Like, him throughout the whole entire night, like, the little things that he throws in there is great. This is really held together by a great commentary team in Taz and Excalibur, and just has Mark Henry and Chris Jericho kind of interjecting. Sometimes it's everyone on top of each other. Because there's four fucking people. So, I don't know how I feel exactly, but I do love Mark Henry. And I think he's doing great on these, like, the main event you know, uh, interviews where he talks to both sides right beforehand. I think that that's actually a really good role for him. Um, but I, I love, he sounds, he always sounds like, like a kid in a toy store. And that's what I love about Mark Henry. He seems excited about everything. And some of the comments, the joking comments that he was making were great. I thought they were hilarious. Fuck, I think Chris is funny sometimes too. He just kind of too much. 
a lot of times, and I think Excalibur's just trying to do his job and kind of gets interrupted a lot. How do you like the four-man booth? I know that neither of us were excited about that. I'm still not a big fan. I do like Mark Henry so far. I think he's gotten better with each episode. And I definitely like him kind of when they're doing these vignettes backstage and he's kind of the split guy asking questions. I think he's really good in that role. More of the problem is you need to decide between Chris Jericho and Taz. Because they're very similar when they do commentary. So they end up stepping on each other a lot. And it's. uh, it, It is a cause of concern, but if the idea is Jericho is retiring. Uh, he might be removed from commentary altogether. I like Taz and Excalibur as a crew, like as a two-piece. And that's what they do on Dark and, and Elevation, right? For the most part, it's Taz and Excalibur. The, four, the four-man the yeah. booth is is a lot. Too much. It's it's just too much. And there's and their matches are very fast-paced as well in AEW. Like this first match, there's so much shit going on, and they're still trying to all get their shit in that the commentary ends up sucking even though i think if you take one or two people away the commentary would be good the entire match so it's uh it's still not working for me dog that's a no for me dog as randy jackson would say yeah and i gotta say if you're gonna pick between because you are right they're very very similar into where they have to be taz over jericho sorry i I would say taz and excaliburs have better chemistry if you want well and not only that taz is Taz is a seasoned commentator. Jericho is not. I think that Jericho just works better with Tony and JR than he does with Excalibur. So if you really want Jericho to be on commentary, maybe shake up the dynamite side of things, not necessarily the rampage side of things. But yeah, because JR could do play, could probably, or Tony could probably do what Excalibur is doing. I mean, both of them did it for years. They might not know every move, but <laughs> I just love that part where someone did something fucking crazy in a match. Mark Henry's like, oh, that's what you call it. <laughs> he he had some great lines. The Pepto-Bismol line um, <laughs> with fucking Don Callis was pretty funny, which Jericho like kind of made the same joke, but was talking about antacids. I guess he was trying not to put over the particular product. <laughs> And Mark Henry's like, oh, you mean like Pepto-Bismol? I love it when Chris Jericho made the reference to Baby from um, A House of a Thousand Corpses talking about Bunny. And both Mark Henry and Taz both started laughing. I'm like, I don't think they've seen that movie. Because <laughs> if they did, they would know what he was talking about. But they were like, oh, yeah. Taz was like, yeah, Baby Bunny over here. Like, no. She was yeah. a fucking psycho. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the problem with having too many pots on the stove. Something's going to yeah. overboil, right? But uh, yeah, and, and like I said, my my preferred method of commentary in general is two people, because even with three, they end up they will end up stepping on each other, or it'll end up getting overproduced, etc. So four is almost nightmare fuel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Um. So the first match on the show was the uh, number one contenders tournament finals. Jurassic Express, Lucha Brothers. I thought this was an awesome fucking tag match. I just, once again, man, I know that Penta was doing some crazy shit in it, but I love that one part and the camera angles that that they produce. I mean, 
Like, they're getting better at not showing the guys on the ground waiting for the fucking person to get thrown into them. Because you see the shot of Jungle Boy, and it looks like he's about to jump onto Pentagon on the ground. Next to him was the person that he was fighting with, Luchasaurus, and then Alex Abrentes behind. I don't know what he was exactly doing there. But you have a shot of Jungle Boy on the top ropes, jumping to the outside. Before he can do that, Ray Phoenix is fucking walking the rope coming and then grabs him and does a Hurricane Rana to him, throwing Jungle Boy into everyone. Looked awesome. Um, this was fast-paced. This was It started off with the two fastest guys in the match. And as all of them are commentating and talking about, like, you know, Ray Phoenix and Jungle Boy, they're the quicker ones, they actually slowed it down for a little while. They were doing, like, headlocks. So I thought that was kind of funny that that ended up happening. But definitely sped up. Pentagon was a maniac in this match, like he always is, basically. And, yeah, I thought the right guys won. Um, Afterwards, Lucha Bros tried to come down and destroy uh, Pentagon and Phoenix. And... uh, you know, Jungle Boy and, 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 and Luchasaurus, being the good guys they are, jumped back in the ring and started taking out the, uh, whatchamacallit, the Lucha Brothers, or taking out the uh, the Young Bucks and helping out the Lucha Brothers. So I thought that was good. Um, God, just part of me wants... I hate to say this, Chris. I know that some people don't believe in go-away heat, but uh, the Young Bucks are starting to give me that. And I would love the Lucha Brothers to take those titles off of them. I think it would be a good idea for them to drop the titles and kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit. Just because they're so tight tight in with uh, Kenny Omega at the moment. But yeah, this was a really, really good match. I don't think I've ever seen anyone take a Poison Rana the way um, Ray Phoenix does. But it looks like he just gets dropped on his head. But he's really landing on his forearms and hands, but it, it looks so nasty. Like, Jungle Boy hit one in the middle of this match, and I thought Pinto, or Phoenix was dead. I was like, he's dead. He's got to be dead. Um, great match. I love the finish. The tag team moves that uh, Penta and Phoenix were hitting together were great. That weird wheelbarrow flip thing they did for the pin on Luchasaurus, which got a two count, <laughs> was incredible. Awesome. Um uh, I like they get like they hit was it a Canadian destroyer that Penta hits and Phoenix just or not Phoenix um Lucha Luchasaurus kicks out on a one count and gets up on his knees and then just like okay and just super kick the shit out of them <laughs> that was pretty great it was just a fu- it was a very good Lucha Brothers match I there's still that thing that Jungle Boy does where he doesn't run at full speed it's like a run walk it's that still bothers me a little bit. So if I had to have one complaint, it would be like maybe hit the ropes harder for Jungle Boy. But it was you know really who was like that too, and I, I completely agree with you. Orange Cassidy, both of them kind of, I don't know, the way that they run and hit the ropes is kind of like eh, put a little more intensity into it, guys. Yeah, I mean the primary difference is Orange Cassidy is kind of a sloth character, anyways, until he hits. That's a good point. Comeback versus. Like Jungle Boy, you would expect to be 100 miles an hour all the time. And and sometimes, I, I don't know if he, it could be that he's waiting for people to get set up also. Um, so he slows his run down, but maybe wait before you start the run for them to be set up or something. Because it always, it ends up looking kind of awkward. But this was a really, really fun match. I liked that they all rallied against the Bucks. It shows that the Lucha Brothers are now, or Dark Triangle in general, are, are good guys. 
they raised the hand of their opponents, and uh, that's was a great first match. Really, really liked it a lot. Yep, fast pace for sure. All right, so we we went from there to Miro, who was in the ring. Uh, he brought um, not only his belt, North America or not the North American Championship, TNT Championship, but uh, Fuego del Sol with him. Beat the living hell out of him. Uh, ripped his mask off. He rolled out of the ring and was holding his mask. And basically, for the, I don't know, fourth or fifth time, called out Eddie Kingston. And this time, Eddie obliged. And he comes out, he grabs a mic, and then he looks at the situation and he says, you know what, screw it. Throws a mic on the ground, runs in. Um, not the smartest, but Eddie gets taken out by a bunch of kicks from Miro. But they go back and forth. And they brawl, and then the referees break it up, basically. So it looks like it's going to be Miro, Eddie Kingston, TNT Championship at All Out. Hasn't been confirmed, but it looks like that's what they're building towards. And I am completely down for that match. That should be a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying Eddie Kingston. You know, he's got this... It's so weird because he's in his late 30s. I think he's almost 40. And throughout his career, you know... Uh, throughout the 2000s and whatnot, when he first got started and was working with Ring of Honor and CZW, he he went from wrestling and didn't think that was going to work out and then started managing, went back to wrestling for a little while and then went to managing for Impact where he was managing the original LAX, uh, Homicide, and um, um, blanking on his name, trained by Shawn Michaels. I can't think right now. But either way, um, you know, Hernandez um, just showed so much potential is great on the mic, you know, pretty good heel. But now that he's kind of done flipped it and he's more of the everyman type concept, people love him and people love him on the mic. He can still be this tough guy. You know, his style's weird because he's like, it's like Kawada sort of, but like a little bit more reckless. You know what I'm saying? Like he obviously was a similar fan to certain wrestlers that uh carrying cross I would say is, is influenced by, but you know, he's, he's got this old school style, but more new school, just, uh, it's, it's good to see a wrestler. And I, and I think that he will eventually have that belt on him. I, I think that's definitely possible, but a wrestler that's kind of gone in and out of, of being, you know, it might not be the most flashiest guy when it comes in the ring, but he's tough. He's a brawler. He can bring it that way, and he can toss your ass around. Like I said, with that Kawada like, um, you know, uh, New Japan or All Japan style. Um, but like, yeah, I just I, I I I dig the fuck out of Eddie Kingston. I like him a lot. You know, a lot of those type of traits actually. Now that I think about it, DDP had for him very different stylistically, but some of those same type of components. And he went, he got over his hell and maybe Eddie's going to have a similar concept. And eventually I think he will have that title around his waist. But I like that out of nowhere during the pandemic, he comes, has a match with Cody. They let him do this promo that he asked him. He fucking kills it. And then they bring him back and he's one of their biggest stars up and coming. And he's in his late thirties. That's a pretty damn cool story. And him and Miro should have an awesome match. Yeah, it should be a really good brawl between those two. Um, I agree with you on Eddie Kingston, man. I think it he he kind of came out of left field, like just out of nowheres, 
and we we've all seen him cut good promos and in and, and different federations have some decent matches but i didn't think he would end up being a focal point in the main event storyline against like cody rhodes and, and moxley uh and what he's able been able to do with that crowd i think a lot of people relate to like you said the everyman to some extent i mean one day i would love to see him actually win the AEW title i thought they were going to go with him versus kenny omega and i said well you know he would be a great transitional champion and a really fun story if they did go that route they obviously that did not happen but uh yeah i mean it's great i'm assuming that miro is going to retain here i don't think this is the time to flip the title but uh yeah, fun stuff all around. The only disappointment in this segment I had is I didn't get a good Miro promo and I didn't get an Eddie Kingston promo. They just cut each other off <laughs> and started fighting each other. I was like, oh, I want Miro promos and I want Kingston promos. I would have been fine with uh, this just being a promo battle with no pull apart. But uh, yeah, good shit all around. Also, Kingston continues the DMX shirt streak. So <laughs> hell yeah, I got to get a counter going for the show. I'm going to have to go back and watch the past two months to see how many DMX shirts this guy's had, but uh good, good shit and should be a fun match. It's not going to be your traditional AEW style match. I mean, I think this, you would more compare this. What I think this is going to end up looking like is more like triple H versus like Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I had to throw a comparison out there because Kingston, like you said, he wrestles with reckless abandon and is Kawada is a good example. Um, or McFoley, it's going to be more brawly with a couple DTs and stuff here, and then Miro is going to be suplexing him all over the fucking place. So, should be fun. Yeah, he was asked, I want to say by Tony Schiavone on their little uh, podcast, his influences. It was like all over the place. He was like Eddie Gilbert, Kawada. I'm like, how the hell? How do you? First of all, how do you start off by saying Eddie Gilbert and Kawada? Like. Those are two different fucking people altogether. But yeah, Mick Foley was named, uh, Terry Funk, uh, maybe Jerry Lawler. I can't remember exactly, but um, Eddie's a very interesting cat, man. Like, he doesn't look like your champion material, but you want to see him get that belt. And that's the thing that made people, for different reasons, love Daniel Bryan, Diamond Dallas Page, you know. So it will be uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, he he definitely has that vibe to him where and some of it's the way he's booked because how many matches has he actually won? I don't know. But it, <laughs> it's that thing that he did right before where he had the he literally asked for a microphone to grab it and go put his shoulders up and be like fuck this and then just run to the ring like I'm going to beat your ass like it's that attitude and the DMX yeah. shirts. Running in there with a DMX shirt and Tim's on ready to fight Miro, <laughs> who's an absolute monster. That's what makes that's what makes Kingston so great. It's like even if he gets his ass kicked, it, you still want to cheer for him. You still love the character itself. And and that's that's very rare. That is someone that has natural charisma and is very good on the microphone. Yep, definitely. I agree with you. All right, we had a match between Ty Conti and Bunny. This had <laughs> one of my favorite lines where they were talking about uh, Ty Conti's uh, martial arts skills. And Mark Henry said, it doesn't matter if you want, if you know karate, if someone knows crazy. So that was pretty fucking funny. Was that uh, like an, was that like an Eddie Griffin line? I was trying to place what comedian. I've heard that said. before. I've heard that before for sure. It was definitely one of the Def Jam comics. I think it might've been an Eddie Griffin line. 
and that's just funny that Mark Henry pulled out this line from like 20 years ago here. But yeah, I'm sorry. I had to. Had to no, you're good. I, I got to say that uh, even though the bunny won from a distraction, making an alliance, it seems at least with. Uh, um, oh, man, what's what's her name, Chris? I can't remember. She's a bad, bad girl. Penelope Ford. Sorry. Yeah. Don't have to Penelope worry about Ford. me. So yeah. that distraction ended up getting her the, the loss. But Ty Conti was awesome in this. I actually thought Allie looked kind of uh, second rate. And I know she's been in the industry f- of wrestling for a long time compared to Ty. But her kicks look good. Um, she did this weird fucking thing where it was like a uh, back swinging face, like a, I guess a face plant. But she put it into a big boss man slam. So it was it was pretty cool. Um, she went and connected the uh, tie KO and Penelope Ford, like I said, gave it a distraction. Bunny uh, grabbed the brass knuckles from her husband, the blade, and knocked her the fuck out, pinned her in less than five minutes. So, you know, this battle royal's coming up. It's a women's uh, turn, obviously, this time. People are making alliances, and we're probably going to get some uh, some some secret people. Showing up at this. So I guess double or nothing to do the men's one and then all out they do the women's one, Chris. Yeah, that seems like the, the, the format they're going with. Um, this match was pretty good for four minutes. They got a lot of shit in it on this match as far as storyline goes. Yeah, they definitely did. I, I don't know that I'm a big fan of the bunny, but uh, me either. I like Penelope Ford a lot. I want them to do more with her. I feel like that she's someone that should have already maybe had a title run at this point. But maybe I'm just a huge mark for Penelope Ford. She does have that banger-ass theme song, which helps. Yeah, she's a badass, man. Um, It's like if Trish Stratus did a bunch of great Muda stuff, you know? <laughs> Now, now I'm gonna have to play these two in my mind and figure out <laughs> what you're seeing. But yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and our main event, and we had a uh, little bit, like I said, the split screen thing uh, again with Mark Henry, and uh, Omega can't wait to drop Christian on his head with the one wing angel and send the fans home happy. Christian knows he has already hurt Omega, and now he wants the big one at All Out. And uh, this led to their match. Uh, I wish this had some of the more, more of the funny dialogue that Christian was doing towards Don Callis. I just can't remember it off the top of my head. But Omega and Brandon Cutler, Christian and Frank Kazarian. So Frankie got in the ring. Uh, Kenny was less hesitant, especially if he was already worked on by Brandon Cutler. So you get in the ring. If Christian was in the ring, he would run, jump off the fucking, you know, just let Brandon Cutler get his ass kicked the whole entire goddamn time. Frankie looked awesome in this. Um, and uh, Omega V-Triggers goes for Frank Kazarian. He gets out of the way, hits Cutler by mistake, uh, leaving Cutler to get speared and kill switched for the pin. This was less than nine minutes. Did not realize it was that short. I actually thought they did a lot, like you said, with the last match in the short amount of time that they'd had. And then afterwards, so just for the audience, I think they could have done this. Um they got jumped by the Elite again, and CM Punk ran out to their defense, and Frankie Kazarian, CM Punk, and uh, Christian took out pretty much all of the Elite. I wish we got that on this, honestly. 
because it was a bunch of fun matches, but it wasn't really, it was nothing, no, no big crazy part. I think the last two kind of had that, but maybe I'm asking for too much, Chris. Yeah, and this was not one of the best dynamites we've seen. This one was kind of just falls somewhere in the middle. A lot of building towards the pay per view. Um, I, I would say Rampage, the same you thing mean? for both Dynamite and Rampage. Oh gosh, but uh, but you can't. Rampage has is going to have huge expectations because they had a title change and then they had the debut of CM Punk, right? <laughs> Two weeks in a row. They, I, I thought the match they opened with on the show was really good. Like, really, really good tag match. This match was fine. It was more just continuing the storyline of, of Cage and Omega. And Brandon Cutler is really great at being a fucking geek. And that was more of the story of the match is <laughs> Kenny Omega consistently putting <laughs> Cutler in really terrible places. Um, I do like that he, he at one point, you know, he refuses the tag and he pops in on Christian. I've seen them do this before, but he pops in on Christian. He picks him up for the one wing angel, like immediately. And then that's where you had the spot where he uh, gets thrown into the corner with the double punches that Christian laid for the 10 count, the to the 10, the 10 punches uh, where Christian's punching both of them. <laughs> He's like taking turns. That was a fun spot. There was some good stuff in this match, but it was by no means like a, uh, absolutely incredible tag match i do like seeing kazarian in the main event that was fun and um yeah good show overall definitely not the best rampage we've seen not the best dynamite we've seen but a solid outing this week for AEW and a a lot of cool stuff announced for the pay-per-view yep have to agree with you well i think that's it guys i think that's our show hopefully you liked it if you didn't uh send your grievances to uh chris uh not me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> actually before we leave let me ask you real quick chris talked about it last week did you see the uh latest episode of heels i did great i, I loved it. it was a very fun episode of the show yeah i i really dug them fleshing it out um kind of spoilery so just warning you um Show's done afterwards. I'm just going to do plugs after this, so just so you guys can, if you want to watch show, even though it came out a week ago. Um, but, you know, Alexander Ludwig kind of going on his own, like, little fucking drunk journey with a bottle of whiskey and ending up at a karaoke bar, and then him and Stephen Amell having to get involved physically with everyone and finding out Stephen's job during the daytime. I, I just liked it. It fleshed it out, and it's still completely giving me the you know the friday night lights vibe uh but we're, we're it's a different obviously a different setting with the indie wrestling stuff but i like that it seems like they're going to do the heel that like the switcheroo if you will it sounds like where steven amell will become the good guy and then you know alexander's character will become the bad guy and the brothers will have like a Bretton owen style feud and cm punk as ricky rabies is going to be on this weekend uh, so his character is apparently some guy that was big in the industry and now is making his rounds in the Indies and is showing up at their place the night that Alexander's character, I think is supposed to turn heel. So I love this fucking show. I think it's great. And it's definitely not just for wrestling fans. It's for anyone that wants to watch a really cool, uh, family show. A uh, couple comments were made about the ratings on it. 
But apparently, Stars has made it known that they're more worried about subscriptions uh, for the episodes getting watched that way, more so than ratings off of Stars Network. And apparently, they're doing pretty damn well with the show. So, good stuff to hear. Yeah, I, I really love seeing Steve Stephen Amell's workplace of selling uh, lawn equipment or tra- <laughs> or tractors and lawnmowers. It was it was pretty fun. We had to carry over the entire episode of the squirrels being in the attic and him not taking care of things at home. And you get some pretty badass scenes from his wife. So it was yeah. fun seeing kind of an introduction of a new character, like character when she's riding around on the lawnmower, drinking a cold beer, basically everything that in, in this, there's that scene in the episode where Stephen Amell's like talking about how much it could mean to a kid to see their dad doing this kind of stuff. It ends up being the mom. <laughs> like she's taking out the squirrels with a, a, a BB gun and mowing the grass. I thought that was really cool just for her character. Um, seeing that get fleshed out more, obviously the stuff with uh, Alexander, they're, they're building him up. I, I think that, you know, Ace Stephen Mills character knows that he needs to turn him heel just because he's kind of an asshole in real life. And that's where they're they're building that. But do they I'm, have to be building this based off of Brett and Owen? I mean, Brett and Owen Hart, Spade Brothers, little yeah, baby yeah. brother who thinks that he should have everything. We get the uh, birth yeah. of Big Big. Is it Big Joe? Big Joe's yep. kid. Um, you get Stephen Amell showing up to work with a black eye and uh, his <laughs> boss giving him shit. And then the next time he comes into work, he just looks at him really pissed off and grabs a metal folding chair like he's going to hit the guy. And the guy's like, all right, not bothering him today. I guess I'm just going <laughs> to know my role and shut my mouth, which is how I took that scene. Um, but yeah, the, the, the one thing that carries over, and I think we'll obviously see more this weekend, was um, Ace's brother, Stephen Mills' character's brother, Alexander, uh, he straight says he never wants to be booed again, but all roads are pointing towards them having to turn him heel at this point. So that is the that is the setup for next week's episode. Really great show. Really enjoying it. Like you said, lots of Friday Night Lights vibes. I think it's well done. And uh, the ratings, don't pay any attention to those because people that are watching this are going to be watching on the Stars app. I don't think they're actually... Stars is a premium cable subscription that you have to add onto your cable bill, and at some point you just download the app as opposed to calling your cable company. So I don't know that those ratings equate to anything like you were saying. Yep, just a fun show, man, especially if you're a wrestling fan, and with CM Punk coming on it, and uh, you know the involvement with Cody being, if not a producer, but someone that's really helped out with the in-ring wrestling side of it, and you know this is a this is a it's going to be fun for the show to be on, especially during this time of wrestling outside the WWE. I'll just put it that way. Yes. And luckily it did post before eight o'clock on Sunday. So I was able to watch it prior to it. Just uh, Hell yeah. throw back to last week's episode. <laughs> All right. Well, um, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the show guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, if not, Chris, why don't you say goodbye to all the good people and give them, uh, you know, the, the, the plugs and the uh, social medias so they can complain to you instead of me. Sure. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, you want to talk about wrestling or 
hockey or movies, whatever, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. On Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton. Uh, new Skates Throats episode is up there talking about all the free agency. The Skates Throats, you can find it anywhere you can find this podcast. It should be out there. And uh, Sly and the Guys, check that out. The Rambo 2 review should be up where I guest star on one of my friends' podcasts where they talk about all of uh, all of Sylvester Stallone's movies Sylvester. from the beginning of his career up until now. So check all that stuff out. And once again, thanks you guys so much for listening. All right. And you guys can find me in actuality. Let's, let's chat. If you got some complaints, let me know. I don't, I don't, I don't care. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this stuff, but Dane Alves 42 on Twitter and Dane Alves on Facebook. So message me, hit me up. Let's talk about some wrestling. You can listen to this and also Chris podcast on any of the big, you know, uh, podcasting networks if you will uh between soundcloud spotify stitcher itunes just search wrestling geeks alliance you can also search on google and find an array of different ones than the ones i stated so uh yeah should be great uh listen to us every week we have the show out like i said on sundays and or mondays we record on saturdays we love having you guys as listeners especially you know the new ones, thank you guys for listening. Keep on listening. But all the guys that have been listening for a long time, we appreciate it. We love talking wrestling. So let the Geek Fives be with you. Peace out.